Welcome to Trove Talk, your weekly gaming and getting to know you podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Starkey from trevortrove.com. And joining me this week, I have my friend from the East Coast, Moises Tavares. That's that's right, right? I didn't uh, I didn't think to actually like check the pronunciation of your name <laughs> before going yes, into yes. it. Don't, don't worry, you didn't butcher my name like Excellent. every professor I've ever had. Excellent. Because I, I know some Moiseses that go by Moses, um, but uh, but I was I'm pretty sure it was Moises. So yes. how are you doing, Moises? <laughs> uh, I'm I'm doing well. I'm doing very well. It's been a long day of nothing, so I I'm I'm energetic. I'm hyped. I'm ready for this. Excellent. Uh, so we met at Kind of Funny Live Two. Uh, was it was was it Saturday or Sunday after the show at the like the bar, um, like the the hotel bar? I remember that was like we chatted for a little bit. Yeah, um, we chatted for a good time at the bar on Sunday night. Yeah, Sunday the first was... time, first time we actually interacted face to face though was Sunday during the like the let's play section uh-huh. of the whole show. I believe I was in line for a water bottle for my friend Cameron, and you just happened to be passing by, and somebody behind me, I think, stopped you to talk to you. And then I figured, why not? Like, I've talked to him a few times on Twitter, so why not just chime in here? And then I'm pretty sure that was our first interaction face-to-face. Cool. Yeah. Uh, and that, But, yeah, our our chat... You. So you had a you had a tendency that weekend of just keeping me from getting drinks is what I'm is what I'm recalling now because I yeah, was, I, I was I, definitely I, going to get drunk at the at the line there at the show and then at the bar at the hotel bar that night. Thanks, thanks, I, youngin. It's it's for your well being. Okay, I will yeah. take that happily as long as you people get drunk and you know do dumb shit. I was stopping you from doing dumb shit. So I appreciate you're welcome. That. I appreciate that. It could have been me trying to trick somebody into thinking I was the CEO of, uh, of kind of funny that night. Oh God, you know my friend. My, my friend actually saw that on Instagram because I I recently uploaded the selfie I took with Robert, mm-hmm. um, and she sent it to me via Facebook Messenger, and she told me like, oh, like this is so disgusting. How could you do that? And I, I just like told i wrote back to her like oh you're talking about the like one of the greatest nights of my life so (laughs) i'm very very proud i think it worked i don't as as i recall as i recall it worked it worked yeah he went he went missing for like 12 hours and he didn't report to us until like midday but then i believe it worked so yeah Yeah. i did a good thing yeah no it worked I, i i fall in the camp of it was a little skeezy but uh I I didn't I, I mean, tried to not like dive in and contribute too much. It was just yeah. one of those I was sitting there being old daddy Trevor and just kind of rolling my eyes at the young kids and their their shenanigans. It was it was it was fun. It was Yeah. Fun. So uh for those that don't know you, uh, Moises, go ahead and kind of give a little bit of a rundown of of who you are, where they can find you online, um kind of what you're what you're up to these days. Uh I'm Moises Taveras, like Trevor said at the start of the show. Um, you can find me in New York, <laughs> or you can find me on Twitter at Platano Ranger. Uh, it's a weird name. My friend gave it to me back in seventh grade when she called me Epic Platano Ranger, and I just decided to cut the epic part out of it. 
I'm the Banana Ranger, basically. Yeah. Uh, so you can find me there on Twitter. I regularly tweet dumb things that come to mind. I tweet about Gilmore Girls. You're one of uh, them? Okay. I am one of them. I, I recently converted because I spoiled Gilmore Girls for myself and watched the revival before I even watched the actual show. So the whole time I've been watching this, I know it's going to end in how it ends, which I'm not going to say here in case this goes live. Well, this is going to go live and in case somebody who doesn't know the ending of Gilmore Girls. The, um, the crossover between the, the Trove Talk fan base and the Gilmore Girl fan base. AI, I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to risk spoilers for that. Exactly. Exactly. I'm just thinking about you guys. Um, and what I'm doing, I'm in college. I'm in my sophomore year. I am a computer engineering major who's really not satisfied with computer engineering. So I'm switching over to a liberal arts degree. Yeah, that sounds very familiar. Yeah. <laughs> I, was a, I was a computer systems engineer for my first year of, uh, of college. And I was like, hey, turns out I like playing video games way more than I like making them. Yep. And I especially in the last month, uh, I've been writing about video games on a blog that I started called Late to the Game because I'm always late to video games. Uh, and it's actually something that I, I've been reading a lot of Waypoint, which is Vice Gaming's new, well, Vice's new gaming outlet. Mm -hmm. And they aren't really traditional in that they don't necessarily cover the newest releases as soon as they happen. As a matter of fact, there's like some of my favorite pieces are about games that came out around the time I was born that people are still playing and trying to unlock their secrets. So I figured like I'd spin the fact that I'm always late to games into a form of writing long form pieces about games that people aren't necessarily talking about at the time. Uh, it, it's allowing me to skip the hype cycle, which let everybody down with No Man's Sky last year. And it just lets me, it, it lets me speak about a lot of my favorite games because a lot of my favorite games are games from like the game that we're going to talk about when we get to the favorite game topic is a game from like eight years ago. A lot of the pieces that I'm writing for February are going to be about games that came out around eight to 10 years ago. So it nice. just lets me, it's, it, it allows me to be nostalgic without nostalgia being a really harmful thing. Cause it can be. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I, uh, I remember uh, seeing you kind of make your first little uh, your posts and tweets about late to the game, and I thought, oh, that's a really good like that's a nice concept. Like I I dabble in kind of playing some old games and reviewing some old games and stuff here and there on the site, but it's mostly like, oh, I never got around to this one, and there's a lull, so I'm gonna try and do it. Whereas I'm I'm much more do try and kind of be part of the conversation as it's happening. Um, you know, when all eyes are on a new game that comes out, I can play it and, and kind of get my thoughts out on it as as I can. But um, but yeah, I, I appreciate your approach of, hey, let's look at a game that, you know, came out a while ago. It's not, you know, going to be like the the highest thing in search, um, in search oh, yeah, or yeah. anything. It's, no, it's not anything that people are looking for right now, but it's it's a chance for you to kind of get your your thoughts out on those games. I found it really funny that the piece of mine that had the most traffic was an... Because uh, for those who might not know, 
um, I decided to start the blog by um, being fashionably late to announcing my game of the year candidates. So I decided to spread it out through all of January and save my game of the year for the last day of January. Just to, like let that like wait burn any of my readers. Um, and then right before, because I usually upload on Mondays, I this, the last day was on a Tuesday. So for the last Monday, I decided to fill it with an honorable mentions piece, which was the one thing that I didn't plan for, or rather that I planned, but I didn't write and schedule weeks in advance. Because most of the things that I wrote, I wrote at the end of December, which my friend Nick pointed out when one of my pieces is still called Trump President-Elect Trump. <laughs> and he, he, funnily enough, I think he tweeted me or he might have texted me saying that, oh, you should probably fix this. Um, and the honorable mentions thing, I wrote like 12 hours before it posted. And apparently when I'm making fun of everything that I hold like near and dear to my heart, people really like that. So I'm going <laughs> to experiment with that a bit by maybe writing things. Because the way I traditionally write even my essays is I write them really, really close to their due date because I'm lazy. And I feel like the less yeah, edited... Welcome to, welcome to college. <laughs> yeah. The, I feel like the less my writing is edited, the better it is. Because I... Passing anything through too many filters, I feel like ruins it. So that's how I write my essays. And maybe going forward, that's how I'll write for the blog. Nice. Yeah, yeah uh, I, can, I can definitely appreciate that kind of like, oh, it's crunch time. Uh, I did that for, for months and months of like, I got to get something up on the site tonight. So here we go. Here's whatever gonna, whatever, here's whatever crap we're going to spit out tonight. Yeah. Um, and I like that. That certainly stems from like my, my time in college where I would, oh, an essay is due at noon and I'm starting it at like 6 a.m. The, the morning of um, yep. for this 20 page essay, I just kind of like vomited out for it was uh, one of my theater history essays. I remember distinctly because I ended up getting a hundred percent on it from a very strict, ah. like harsh teacher. Um, and I was like, nice. Don't know how I pulled that off. I'm going to sleep now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I never know. I never know how I managed to do fine with those essays, but I'll just attribute that to the fact that I've been, I've been writing longer things than everybody I know since we started writing like our first essays in fifth grade. <laughs> so I've, I've just over time, I guess I got better at it. I don't mean to toot my own horn. I'm not, no, I'm not no, like, it's great. I'm not uh, like F Scott Fitzgerald or who's the guy that I like a lot now. Cormac McCarthy. Corm I'm not, I'm definitely not Cormac McCarthy, but I do fine on bullshit essays for college. There you go. And and oh wait wait I never I never cleared it up with you um because I'm already cursing a lot. Can oh I... yeah, curse away. That's fine. <laughs> okay okay. Because yeah, is... if anybody I... if anybody goes to my Twitter anyways, you'll see in my bio before it says anything about late to the game, it says I play video games and curse a lot. So yeah, yeah I curse. No worries. <laughs> I, I I tag the explicit language in in the uh, in the post every week, so we're good. Okay okay um, great. Yeah absolutely. Um, uh, for those that don't know and, and aren't familiar with the show, uh, Trove Talk is a topic-based show. We're going to kind of go through um, 
topic by topic with my guest. Uh, every week I have uh, a friend from the internet on, and we sit down and talk about topic one is their gaming history, topic two is their favorite game, topic three is a getting to know you topic uh, that they kind of bring to the table and we kind of chat about and discuss, and then topic four is the the Trove Topics Roundup where we kind of uh, take questions from, from Twitter, from online, uh, from whatever's, you know, the news of the day and, uh, and round out the show. Um, so without further ado, uh, Moises, um, uh, let's go ahead and dive into your gaming history a little bit. All right. So my gaming history starts somewhere. Where that is, not entirely sure. Uh, I, I remember having an N64, I believe. I, to the best of my memory, I had an N64 somewhere here. Hi. Did we have an N64? This is my brother. I'm sorry. No problem. Did we have an N64? Um, I could have sworn it was what we had. No, this guy that I befriended, this older white dude. He was like the first white dude in the neighborhood. Um, he lent me his N64 for like a year. There you go. He got nice. lent an N64 for a year. Yeah, and he lent... It was he gave me a green book bag with an N64 inside, two remotes, and like fucking twenty games. Yeah, I remember. Didn't we have? Pokemon I feel like we had like Snap, a Mad Cat thing. Um, we had we had like every popping game. He's a good dude. Nice. So yeah, we got we we borrowed an N64 for a really long time, and I remember playing that. I don't remember exactly what I played on it though, because. The thing is, I've literally been playing video games since I was born. Um, so the beginnings are really iffy, but I know that much. I do have this one thing, which it's a little surprise. Uh, we dug this up. We dug this up a while ago, and I don't know why we didn't throw it out. But... I distinctly remember loving it, so I'm actually really happy that we didn't throw it out. So this is my Sega Dreamcast. Nice. Um, <laughs> I do remember playing... Oh, wow, it still works. Well, the door still works. That's, that, that, that one's pretty hard to break, that part of it. <laughs> <laughs> Whether um, or not it, it still draws power, that'll be the, that's the real trick. I wonder if we have that plug anywhere. And the, the most atrocious controller ever. Okay. Um, but I love this system with all my heart and soul. And when I was thinking about my gaming history, I thought of like a whole bunch of different games that I played as a kid, but I can really sum it up in like, not three words, but three specific things, which is that my, my childhood with video games was defined by fighting games. Um like Power Stone on my Dreamcast or Super Smash Bros when that first came out. Uh, they're defined by JRPGs because I do distinctly remember playing way too much Final Fantasy for my own well-being, you know, before it went to crap. And this, and, and, I mean, like, let's see what Final Fantasy you must be talking about. Like, nine, ten? <laughs> um... There's actually a really funny story with Ten. Crystal Chronicles? <laughs> um, actually, my favorite Final Fantasy, which is the one that everybody likes to hate, is Eight. 
It was eight. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm on the hate train for eight, but okay. Oh, why? Why does nobody like eight? I mean, I so I, I've I've ranted about this here and there over the, over the the years, but for me, um, eight specifically the draw system, um, the draw injunction system yeah. is uh, one of my least favorite mechanics of that series because it a the completionist in me like insisted on always drawing a hundred of every spell of uh, and and then I would never use magic because I didn't want to have to go through that again. So. The whole the system itself <laughs> disincentivized me using magic in that game, um, and so I, yeah, I, I the the time kind of wasted. Like I mean, I would spend hours in one fight just drawing. Like oh, I'm getting like three silences at a time. So let's do that for an hour <laughs> to get uh, all of my characters up to a hundred. Uh, and I like the outside of that, like the the characters and the um, the story just didn't didn't draw me in. Right. Yeah, I I mean I played that so long ago I can't even really tell you what the story was or who the characters were. Honestly, the biggest drawing point was I thought the intro cinematic was incredible at the time. Mm -hmm. Um Balam Gardens is just a really weird name and a really weird place. Um and the gunblade is still the coolest weapon ever designed. Oh yeah, I mean yeah, it's it's anime as fuck that game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, it, it's Danny. Danny would love that. Oh uh, yes, um, yeah. The, the, those are so. Those are my like my big gripes. And I went back and replayed it um, a few years ago. Like, I mean, some of it's also like the villains in that game are very like ethereal and like don't even come into play until really late in the game. Like you've got Cipher and Dia kind of in that like first little flurry, um, but they're like they're just kind of pawns and this bigger weird ultimisha's scheme um, yeah. it's like you don't even like know what the hell ultimisha is until i don't know like 5 hours from the end of the game or something like that it's so th th those are my like why 8 just didn't resonate with me but i like i know that there are, it is a very polarizing game and i don't i, I bear no ill will for people who enjoy the game okay, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad i'm glad you like i'm glad i i'm glad even and I said this with like my in my like final fifteen Final Fantasy fifteen and like including it in my game of the year. Even a bad Final Fantasy game is still better than so many other games. So I'm fine with it, even if it's like on on in like the bottom of my rankings for Final Fantasy. It's still like mm -hmm. I would still sooner play it than you know half of the other games I've ever played, probably. Okay. Okay. I should probably get to Final Fantasy fifteen. Did you know that Final <laughs> Fantasy XV was announced on my 11th birthday? I did not know that. I've been waiting for that game since I since the day I turned 11. That's that's insane. <laughs> it really is. And yeah, I should, uh, I'm going to see if I can pick that up soon. You'll get, you'll get around to it. You'll you'll be late to the game. No worries. Exactly. Exactly. Pick it up on sale uh, in a couple months. I can pick it up for my birthday, and then just round out all full how many years? That's nine years. Oh my god! <laughs> Coming to terms with my mortality is a thing that's been weighing <laughs> yeah. on my mind. Oh, yes, you you tiny little nineteen year old. Oh no! Oh, you're old and dying. I am old and dying. You're thirty two in a couple months. <laughs> I hit my peak at twelve. 
Okay. It's been all downhill. <laughs> all downhill from there. Excellent. All right, we got di- we got derailed a little bit in the into the final yeah, yeah. eight weeds. So fi- you said you said three things. You said fighting games. You said JRPGs, and then what's the third pillar of your gaming history? Arcade games. Arcade games. Uh, like play never... in the arcade or arcadey style games. Um, playing in an arcade in the loosest sense of an arcade, because I was never uh, an arcade person. I never went to arcades, but uh, our parents work at a laundromat and back in the days they'd have two arcade games one was usually those dumb driving games and then the other one which brings it back to the fighter thing was it was marvel versus capcom 2 okay like in an arcade so i i was always there as a kid my parents couldn't go anywhere without me so i was always on those games and those games really defined like my childhood um yeah those were the, those were the crappiest games i ever played but they were magic at the time so why is somebody calling me this can't be important yeah, i'm just gonna hang up i'm just gonna put my phone on do not disturb i should have done that before the podcast all right i'm rude it's <laughs> quite all right um, um and yeah that's that's that rounds out probably the beginning of my gaming history. Okay. I just played a lot of fighting games for a really long time, which is funny because I do not play them at all now, and I suck at them, which is going to make diving into Injustice 2's beta later tonight really interesting. <laughs> and This is the second time I say his name in this podcast, but shout-outs to Danny Juarez for giving me that code. Oh, you were the one that, that won the random code? I was the one that won the raffle. Nice. I saw like I saw those tweets going around and I was like, you you tweeted out that you've got this code like while you're at work or something and you couldn't actually give it to anybody? Okay, Danny Juarez, you weirdo. Danny's Danny's an odd boy, but he's the best boy, so it's he it's is. okay. He's a sweetheart. Um okay, so uh so you played fighting games. What kind of fighting games were you playing? Uh, uh was Marvel Capcom uh Marvel vs. Capcom was a huge that one. Whatever I could get my hands on that, I'd play it. Um I, again, Smash Bros. I never played it competitively, but I have memories of, um, like, in church, we'd have a break period, like, in between classes, I guess. And so what we'd do is we'd pile into the smallest room, which had a TV, and we'd, we'd connect. Well, at this point, it's the GameCube, and we'd play Super Smash Bros. Melee for as long as we possibly could. And that that's probably what instilled the competitiveness the competitiveness in me before I like started playing like Call of Duty and that brought it out years later. Um yeah, I played a lot of that. I played Power Stone on my Dreamcast anytime that I could. Tell me about Power Stone, because I, I never had the Dreamcasts, and so this is a game that is new to me. Power Stone is a really, really weird brawler. Um, it was the first, like, 3D brawler. Oh, crap. I forgot the other fighting game. I have uh, a Dreamcast game that we s- scavenged as well. Um, that was the other one that I played. Have you ever heard of the series uh, Rival Schools? No, that's another one. Over my yeah, head. I don't blame you. It's really whatever, but 
um, it, it was about these rival schools <laughs> and the students came together and fought all the time and they decided to make they basically decided to make a uh, like school beefs into a game for some reason and then they made it a ja two japanese schools so then that gave them the excuse to go full-blown anime with it and yeah that's it's high schoolers jumping all over there's a kid with a baseball bat there's a nerd there's the cool guy who i think his name was tetsuya that game that game was also incredible um and yeah i just i mean i played fighting games throughout the last fighting game i ever bought was a uh, street fighter 4 which was a mistake i did That's... not I, I did not enjoy that i bought it and i bought a spare controller so that i could play it with like my brother or my friends if they came over and that didn't work out so i just ended up playing that game by myself a lot and then i realized I can't take this online because that sucks. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I play, I've played a lot of Tekken. I remember going to my friend's house and playing Tekken 3 all the time. That's another thing, actually, that defines my gaming history. I was always too poor to afford systems. Or I, I mean, I was a kid. My family was poor and we couldn't afford many systems. So I frequently went over to my best friend Sam's house and I'd play whatever we could get our hands on. That's where the fighting games come from. We used to play SmackDown versus Raw oh, all nice. the time. When, whenever he first got it, he'd invite me over. I used to go over every uh, Friday night. And I hated the nights that he got SmackDown versus Raw because he'd invite his other friend over. And then each one of us would take like two hours just making a character and his set list. And so by the end of the night, we did nothing but do that. And so I'd have to wait a week to go back and pl actually play the game. Yeah. But when we did play it, that was incredible. Yeah. Those were that was the only thing that got me into wrestling. Nice. Yeah. I was at, like, those were coming out. I mean, I was like in wrestling, I was into wrestling in, in like middle school. And that's when you had things like No Mercy coming out and you had um, uh, you had like the Smackdown games first coming mm -hmm. out and then they split the or they yeah, they they did the they did the draft or whatever. So you had Raw versus Smackdown instead of it just being like two different shows the first yeah. time around. Um, so, yeah, it was that was definitely an interesting time. And that was like I don't even I don't think of those as like multiplayer games necessarily, even though like we played a ton of them. Um, yep. Uh, me and my group of friends at the time, but like the SmackDown ones specifically seemed like they were much more. I would play those, and I would play like the career mode or the story mode or whatever, and like go through the the storylines of of uh, of Raw and SmackDown in those games. WWF back when it was still WWF. Um, cool. Um, so let's uh, let's kind of continue on. Uh, oh, uh, you mentioned you mentioned Street Fighter, and it reminded me um, when I got like my PS4. I think I picked up Street for Street Fighter Four, and I was like, I loved like Street Fighter Two. Let's see what they've done with Street Fighter. And then I played like a couple rounds. I was like, Nope, not for me. I'm done. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Whoops. That's pretty much the same experience here. I went over to somebody's house. Oh, this seems like a pretty cool game. Picked it up. Absolutely not. Yeah. Worst game. Or that might be one of the worst purchases. Even outside of 
video games, like just all around worst purchases ever. So well, yeah, I mean, there's always games. GameStop, stop. Yes. <laughs> yeah, GameStop, GameStop sucks. I, True. I hate my local GameStop. There's like one guy in there that's always nice to me, and then everybody else is kind of rude. One of my, I went with my friends because I didn't have an ID for the longest time, and I love to trade in video games to get other ones for cheap. Um, so he'd always come with me because he had an ID, and the one time that there was a really cute girl behind the de- the, the counter, he kept like talking me up to talk to her but he kept saying it really loudly so she could hear so the whole like when i finally got up to her and like i started talking to her just about making a purchase or whatever i was really embarrassed and i kept like tripping over my words so never again never again never never no, again no. gamestop to death with gamestop to death I mean, also that's, the, that's the, more the, your friend being a jerk than gamestop sucking <laughs> no but i mean GameStop also just does suck. Yeah, it, it, been, have you been reading the, Jason Fryer's yeah, yeah. things? Yeah. yeah, I figured we could we can uh, we can maybe dive into that into our thoughts on, on that a little bit in uh, intro topics later if we want. Yeah. Um, so let's but, um, uh, let's see. Uh, so you've, you're playing you're playing like weekly games with Sam. Um, mm-hmm. You've you've got the Dreamcast. Um, where do we kind of where are we going from there? Did, did you have kind of any? Did you ever have like a handheld uh, at any point, kind of growing up? Did you ever get? I into, did. Did them Pokemon's? Pokemon's, Pokemon's. If actually, if there's a fourth thing I can add on to define my childhood in video games, sure. it's Pokemon. Pokemon. Pokemon was absolutely incredible. I very very clearly remember. It must have been it. It had to be red. If it's not red, it's gold, but one of those, I distinctly remember playing, no, gold, gold. I played gold all the way to the airport one time, and it was dark out, so the only way I could actually see what was going on, because I was playing it the whole car ride, was the streetlights passing by, so I, I think I saw a meme or whatever, like, I saw an image on the internet about like share this if you remember when you could only play your Game Boy through the passing streetlights. I didn't realize that was a thing that Game Boy players all around struggled with. I thought that oh, yeah. was just me. Yes, indeed, that was that was quite the uh, the ordeal. Like I remember trying to play. Um, like like my family went on like a cross country trip to visit like family in Michigan um, when I was growing up, and we had like. My sister and I had our Game Boys, and when you're out in the middle of nowhere, there aren't streetlights. So it was like we were kind of. It was like, well, our our Game Boy time is done now. Oh well, we'll pick it back up in the morning. So glad I live in one of the most illuminated cities in the world. I, I could play that Game Boy everywhere. Sure, you don't get stars, but you you can always you can play Pokemon wherever you want. Yes, yes, exactly. I that stars thing really pisses me off. I like stars. I really do. I remember the first time I ever went to um, DR to like visit family. I used to actually just sit outside because I could see stars above me. And then the first thing I do when I came home, because I usually got home at night from like a flight back from DR. First thing I do is I'd look up and I'd just see nothing. And I'd just be like, I, I didn't know the word at the time, but I probably said something close to like, fuck this. Fuck this. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, I played I played a lot of Game Boy. Um, I played a lot of Mario on Game Boy. My Game Boy Color was like solely reserved for Pokemon. Like that was back when you didn't care how long like you didn't care about playing the same game all the time because mm-hmm. you're just lucky you have a game. So I'd play Pokemon all the time. But eventually I graduated to Game Boy Advances and my cousins actually gave me their Game Boy Advance SP, which came with a brawler, uh, like a Sonic brawler for some reason. I think it was Sonic Battles 2, something like that. It was kind of 3D-ish, but there were like raised platforms that you could jump on, but the sprites were still in like some form of 2D. It was the weirdest mixture of styles in a game ever, and for some reason it worked because I played that game obsessively. Nice. Um, but yeah, I played. A, I I specifically on my Game Boy Advance, um, I played a lot of Mario. I I want to say it was Super Mario Advance. I believe is the actual title, and Super Mario Advance Two. I believe. I'm not too well brushed up on Mario titles. There's so many now that I I can't. Yeah, no, and you didn't. You didn't grow up with like the original, so it makes. Yeah, sense. I didn't. I didn't it's... play um. Super Mario 64 until the DS remake mm-hmm. because I was deprived of that by being a youngin. Yeah. But yeah, that brings me to my DS, which I had too much fun with PictoChat. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was the first... For a lot of my friends and me, it was probably the first time we had a, a messenger kind of thing because we weren't all on AIM or I guess MSN was a thing back then. Um, so we back we, in the day, <laughs> yeah, back in the day, um, we had picto chat. We would sit around at lunch in my after school program, and for some reason, we all walled ourselves off with like our jackets and book bags, and then we'd just send weird drawings to each other. It, it's a, it's really weird. And of course, we play Super Mario. I mean, not Super Mario Kart, Mario Kart. Yeah. DS, which I've never been good at Mario Kart, so I don't look back at those days fondly. <laughs> Balloon Battle was really, really rough for me. Um, let's see, let's see. What that else was, I uh, my uh, so I just got back from uh, from Pack South, and uh, on my ride back to the airport, the 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 driver was asking me like, "Oh, what were you here for?" And I was talking about video game convention she's like oh like what should like i've got a 12 year old what should my video what should my 12 year old play and stuff and i was like oh well like nintendo has the switch coming out and kind of we talked about that she's like oh yeah we've already got that on order and stuff and then she starts talking to me about like the the you know is that going to have um parental controls you like what like is my son going to be able to talk to like strangers on the internet i was like well nintendo is usually like really good about kind of trying to limit that stuff down and, and and lock it behind parental controls and she's like oh so like he has like a 3ds right now and so he's playing pokemon and he's talking about his friend in france um so i can lock that down so he's not talking to this person that he says <laughs> in france that might not be in france i was like yeah you might want to do that like i, I you know i i, I don't want to like 
you know, tell you what your, your kid's doing or whatever, but yeah, it's certainly possible that he is getting like messages through, through his 3ds in that, in that sense. And, and she was like, Oh, well, thank you so much. And so I'm like, Oh, I probably like really ruined this kid's day. Yeah. Yeah. Some, <laughs> somewhere that kid like parental controls. <laughs> you, do you, do you watch game of Thrones? Uh, I, I am like a season behind. Um, okay. I don't, I don't have HBO, but I watch it like Arya's Arya's list of, people uh -huh. that she's gonna kill you're on that kid's I'm, list. I'm on that kid's he, list. He, re <laughs> he somehow knows your name and before he goes to sleep he just says out loud Trevor's Trevor yeah Trevor Stark. <laughs> yeah well, yeah that's that's what I think of now now when I think of like oh like kids playing games yeah like totally crap yeah on it's totally was, weird because yeah, like I mean totally yeah it was it definitely was not a thing for me growing up um yeah. Because like I was, I was grown by the time we had like a connected digital age. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Multiplayer didn't come. Or, I, I feel like one of my first multiplayer experiences was with Pokemon Diamond and Pearl, and I was only locally with my friend when we went down into the tunnels, and you could run into them and go into their little hideout. Mm -hmm. I, I think that might have been one of my first multiplayer experiences ever. I was yeah. really. I've always been late to the game. That's mm -hmm. like not to plug my thing again, but I've I've always been really late to it. Yeah, no, it's it, like when I was growing up, if we wanted to like connect, we actually had the stupid link cables, and so we couldn't be more oh. than like a foot away from each other yeah. to to be like playing together. And then like they created the infrared one, and that like was a game changer. Where now we don't have this <laughs> cable. Or, but we still have to be like pointed directly at each other and you can't be more than like six inches away or whatever it's a miracle how far we've come indeed it's, it really is yeah it's probably unfortunate for parents that want to protect their kids from frenchmen but yeah a little bit uh or or allegedly frenchmen um allegedly frenchmen. so uh so i like the sound of that allegedly frenchmen allegedly <laughs> frenchmen. there's our uh, our emo pop band or something um oh. Yes. Can we be a ska band? A ska band? I mean, sure. Yeah. I don't have the uh, the stamina for ska band and moshing and stuff, but I'll be, I'll uh, be the front man. I'll be the front man. Okay. I I can I can like I can shake my head and go yeah or whatever. I don't even. That's I, I'm, you're I'm just the looks. You're just the looks, Trevor. You're just the looks. I'll be the looks. That sounds good. <laughs> uh, so let's dive back to uh, to consoles. Um, so uh, you got your Dreamcast, uh, and you've got. Uh, we touched on a couple games. Any other kind of standouts from the the Dreamcast that you were playing? <sighs> Probably not. Yeah. I, I I wasn't. I was. That was, I didn't play that was the Crazy Taxi one, right? That's that's the game. That was yes, like one of yes, the, one yes, of the big taxi. notable. Did yep, you have Crazy did you taxi. Have that one? Okay. Yes. Yes. I thank you for reminding me about Crazy Taxi. Yeah, I played <laughs> I played Crazy Taxi quite a bit. Because that's one like I played in the arcade because I didn't have a Dreamcast, but yeah, um, yeah, that that's was, definitely like, it's definitely a game. Mm -hmm. uh, I probably didn't see the appeal behind Crazy Taxi too much as a kid, but Crazy Taxi was definitely a thing that I played. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I like my my Dreamcast is weird. Uh, I probably played a lot on it, but I don't remember much outside of Power Stone and Rival Schools, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, if you uh, were, like, if and I mean. Depending on how old you were, it's it's certainly not a like I I have like glimpses of like my Atari and even like my original Nintendo, or like the first games Atari. I was playing on my Nintendo because I was a youngin. Um, uh, like the reason I have Nintendo <laughs> memories is because we had my Nintendo for like five ten years all through like my formative like growth. So it's like yes, I started playing it when I was like three maybe, but 
I was playing it until I was 13. So um, it's, yeah, like, I, it's long enough. Yeah. The great appeal behind the NES Classic, which is unfortunate because I can't get my, I can't get a hold of it, is that those are all games I totally missed out on. Mm-hmm. Like I never even got close to one of those games. So the day that I finally get that, I'm going to hook it up to this TV because there's not really much space between this bed and that anyways, so I don't have to worry about the wire issue. Yeah, there you go. You don't have to worry about, like, sitting so far away from your TV. Nice. Um, But no, nothing much from the Dreamcast. Okay, so So, where do we go from the Dreamcast? We go to PlayStation, PlayStation? which has defined my gaming history since I got introduced to PlayStation. Okay. It's also unfortunate because my PlayStation didn't last long. Um... (laughs) I remember playing Mega Man Legends on it, which I'm so sad there's no Mega Man Legends 3. That's that's really Capcom's greatest sin right there. Um, but yeah, I played Mega Man Legends 1, I played Mega Man Legends 2. Uh, I was a big Mega Man fan at this time because I also played Mega Man X5 obsessively. Um, and then that's kind of where it drops off because unfortunately, we took my PlayStation with me on vacation to DR, and then my family is really a big fan of the whole charity thing, so they give wherever they can, and they committed the worst thing ever and gave my PlayStation to our family out there. So I went with the PlayStation and then came back without. Well... And that never got replaced. So I just had to wait until the next PlayStation. Nice. Which then brings me to my PlayStation 2, which unfortunately also didn't last long. (laughs) Uh, Not because we sent it away, but because I broke it. Because I was a dumb kid. And I really needed wireless controllers back then because I pulled the wire too much and it just came crashing down. Ouch. Yeah, it the thing inside that read the discs shattered, so mm-hmm. that didn't last long. But it came with my PS2 came with Jack Two, which is still probably one of the greatest games I've ever played. Okay, <laughs> really dark for my age, but That's, Jack yeah. Two, Jack That's Two was an incredible one. game. Because it's yeah. that, like I don't even think about it now in this lens because I didn't play the Jack games until I don't know two or three well like four or five years ago now I guess you played like, the the, I played the, the PS3 remaster collection um, and so like I really liked Jack one and then I played Jack two I'm like oh they went like just super yeah they went Theft Auto so dark and uh, and it's and it's I mean and they've they've come out and said yeah like. Grand Theft Auto hit after Jack One, and we were like, "This is what we. This is the kind of game we want to make." And I don't think about it now, or, or like talking to you, I'm I'm realizing, oh, like, yeah, like Grand Theft Auto, especially with all of the like the the controversy it had. Um, yeah, you, like it. I probably would have been able to play, like, get away with it because my parents didn't care that much. They you know, they figured I was fine. But mm-hmm. if you were a parent of, uh, or if if you were a kid whose parents were like, "No, you can't play a mature game until you're 18." Um, like Jack Two is is like is Grand Theft Auto, but for kids. Yep. So yeah, it's, yeah I get that game really really pushed it for some reason, but yeah, it was it was still great. Like New Haven City still sticks out in my head as because that was my first open world game. Mm-hmm. 
and it was my very first like adult game and it was also my very first PlayStation 2 game so it was just like getting the PS2 launched me into what would be the rest of my gaming history um and also Daxter's just awesome that Daxter is one of the I feel like people are really annoyed by Daxter which I totally get cuz Daxter can definitely be a pain in the ass to listen yeah. to yeah i mean he's an otzel which is still one of the weirdest words that's ever come out of my mouth an otzel but they just had to go balls to the wall with that so they did and yeah jack 2 jack 2 is great um it also came with do you remember bionicle bionicle uh like lego bionicle yeah I, they like had i know a... i know the the brand i don't i never played a game uh, associated with the series. Then. They had a game that came out on PS2. It's probably one of the crappier games I've ever played in my life, but at the time, it was revolutionary because... Well, it was a PS2 game. That's all that made it revolutionary, really. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I just played those two games obsessively. Um, from the anime fans out there, my brother was a huge... Well, he still is a huge anime fan. And one of the first animes he ever got me into was one called Inuyasha. And Inuyasha had a fighting game. Once again, with the fighting games, they always come back. Uh, there was an Inuyasha fighting game on PS2 that I played a lot. And I distinctly remember playing it on one of my birthdays because there's a, one of the few pictures of me because my family doesn't really take too many pictures. Uh, it's on that birthday, and it's just me sitting like cross-legged on my couch at the time playing Inuyasha in like a tank top and whatever. And... Like shortly after that was when I like pulled it and it came falling down. So that that's actually probably the last picture of my PS2 as well. <laughs> um, was it was the family also using it as a DVD player? So no, you... no, my PS2, my family's never really been like my parents have never been really up to date with technology. So when they got me the PS2, they purely bought it as a gaming system. Probably n not even remotely aware that they could use it as a DVD player. So that was a, that was only mine and my brother's. Okay. It was great. Uh, I played Jack 3 on... I remember putting Jack 3 on my Christmas list, and my mom snuck out and got it. And that was... Actually, Jack 3 leads to a really weird... It's not really a weird story. It just has a really weird ending. I used to play games obsessively, and I play I played PS2 without a memory card ever, so I played the games, and then when I shut down my PS2, I'd start it up the next day and just play the same intro over and over. And one day I decided I'm waking up early and I'm beating Jack Three. I played all day. At around dinner time, we had a bird. At this time, this is necessary context. We had a bird in the house. Okay. Um, my mom called me at dinner. Well, she called me for dinner. And I didn't want to put the game down. And I didn't realize this, but the bird like got out and was like fluttering around and it, like shed a feather or whatever. And the feather landed like square on my eyelid. But I didn't realize it was there because I was actually that into the game. So when I finally got up to go to dinner, I, I like shut my eyes because like they're red at this point, and I need to like I need to blink so that they can recover. 
from the extensive damage I've done over the day. And then a feather just comes out of nowhere and it falls on my lap. And I'm just thinking, what the hell? When did this happen? <laughs> that bird. Well, actually, no, that bird's story ends really darkly. I can't even bring that up. <laughs> okay. Okay. We don't need to, we don't need to that, go that, down that Yeah, hole. that bird went out in a blaze of glory. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, but yeah, so that PS2 came crashing down to the ground and so did all my hopes and dreams. And so and I just and was, that was, that was when you were 12, and that's when your life peaked. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That was the very day that it's just. Um, so I resorted to once again going to my friend Sam's house to play all the video games that I couldn't play anymore because we could not replace that PS2. So we played the Warriors game, which is weird because I love that game, and everybody seems to love that game, and everybody seems to love the movie. And to this day, I've never seen the movie. And people, when I tell them that, they look at me a, weird, a really weird way. And they probably whisper mean things behind my back. I've never seen the movie, but I've also never played the game. Oh, like, that game I is know, so good. I know references to the movie. Like, I know, come out and play. Um, that guy's but, so weird. It's a movie from, like, the 70s, right? So I believe it's, it's 1979, yes. Before my time, I've at yeah. least got that going for me on that one. Yeah, I, I should see it because Hulu is also bringing it back for like a limited series, apparently. Okay, so and I also kind of want to replay it since it's on PS4 now. Yeah, it's prime time to get back into that, but yeah, I, I played a lot of that. Um, I played a game that probably not a lot of people are familiar with, which is. If I'm right, the title is Marvel Rise of the Imperfects, which took a storyline from the comics about these people called the Imperfects. I can't, I can't tell you anything about comics. I, I've, I bought three comics at like during Kind of Funny Live weekend at uh, Isotope, and I still haven't read any of those. Like that's how little I read comics. Nice. Um, and they ran me a fortune. It was fifty bucks. <laughs> still haven't, still haven't read, read those. So I can't tell you anything about the actual Imperfects, but it was another fighting game, just with Marvel characters. I played Marvel Ultimate Alliance, which people are probably more familiar with that than Rise of the Imperfects. Um, I played Batman Rise of Sinsu, <laughs> which is a horrible, horrible Batman brawler. Um. What else did I play in the PS2 era? I didn't play God of War until the God of War collection on PS3. So, like, I'm, I'm I missed like every big game in gaming history until about my PS3. So that's what that's why like my gaming history is really weird because it's just like I touched all these systems and then just played the crappiest things on each and every one of them. You played the eclectic games. Yeah, no, it's, I did. It's, I did. it's interesting. Which um, just probably speaks to my taste in games now because I I mean, I play AAA games now, but I, I've always preferred the indie scene in video yeah. games. So it's, it's like now I'm like I'm trying to imagine what a life would be like for somebody who like grew up with Nintendo or something but never played a Mario or a Zelda and they only played like the the weird off games. 
I my first Zelda was Oracle of Ages, and I only played it for like twenty minutes when I was a kid. The only the next time I played a Zelda game was the tutorial for Twilight Princess at my friend's house, and then I didn't touch another Zelda game until Spirit Tracks on DS, which everybody loves to hate, but I will stand by it is the best Zelda game ever made. <laughs> yep. And how many other Zelda games have you played? I it played... is the best Zelda game you've played. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll give I you played... that. I played like two hours of Ocarina of Time on the DS. Um, I probably played like three more hours than that of Majora's Mask on the 3DS. And then my 3DS got robbed, so I never oh. got back to that. Awesome. Yeah, it just went it went missing after I came back from my senior trip. That sucks. And it went missing with my Super Smash Bros. cartridge in it, which my friends, because they realized I didn't have money, they actually bought the game for me so that we could play it together on the trip. And then, yeah, that just went out the window with my DS after that weekend. That sucks. I'm still really sad about it. And yeah, I can't I afford that. to replace a DS, so I can't. I, like, I still haven't played Fire Emblem Fates. I mean, you got the Switch coming out, so that's... I do have the Switch. I finally got my Switch pre-order. Oh, okay. I like how I subliminally snapped as I was saying <laughs> Switch. <laughs> nice. I almost threw that into a paper that I wrote. Well, not a paper. It was literally a page that I had to write about introducing um, this girl I had to interview for my first day of class this semester. Um, and I put the word switch in there and some part of me wanted to put like a asterisk and then at the bottom just be like, here's where you snap your fingers, please. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, uh, I, I lost my, uh, my 3DS, um, in, I, le I left it on a plane when I went to, uh, when I went to LA for Let's Play Live, um, last year. Um, it's just like, I, it's an hour flight over to LA, like, playing Pokemon X or something and just kind of stuck it in the seat back pocket and forgot to grab it on my way out and didn't realize it until I got home. I was like, because uh, um, like I went through the whole weekend not playing my, my 3DS and just visiting with friends and stuff. And then I got home. I was like, where is it? Oh, damn it. Did I, like, like thinking back to the last time I had it was on the plane there, set it in the thing. I was like, uh, it's gone. It's long gone. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Rest oh, in peace. Well. Rest in peace to all the fallen DSs. Yeah. And it's like, I can't, like, I've got a new 3DS, but I can't, like, grab the games that I had on there because Nintendo's account system sucks. And so it's like, they don't know what games I had on yeah. my 3DS. So thanks, Nintendo. Please don't uh, ruin the Switch. Please. Please don't. Um, okay, so uh, so we've kind of been in, in PlayStation land. Did you ever... Um, dabble in Xbox territory? Not until the 360, and that was at a that was at friends' houses all the time. I like I the only Xbox I've ever owned is the one right behind me, which yep. never gets any playtime. Uh, I actually I wanted to trick myself into playing my Xbox more, so I told myself that I would exclusively get really long RPGs on it. So I was forced <laughs> to devote time to it. So, so my you... Fallout, my Fallout Four copy, on that. Okay. Okay. My Witcher Three Final copy, fifteen, <laughs> is on that. Final Fantasy Fifteen, going on that. Um, but yeah, my my Xbox One, 
my Xbox One was actually the first time I've ever played a Halo game. Which they're they're good games. They're mm-hmm. not nearly as good as people make them out to be, but they're they're good. Did you like you went back and played the uh, the Halo collection? Yeah, yeah. That was yeah. Uh, that was the game that came with my Xbox because it was a bundle that they had. No, no, no. It was a free game that I could get alongside the bundle. The okay. bundle came with <sighs> Assassin's Creed Unity, which I did not play at all. Awesome. <laughs> Good call. Um, yeah, yeah I, I got uh, my Xbox One. I got the the Sunset Overdrive bundle. Um, good, and I, good like, man. Yeah, no, good it's, man. It's, like that's easily my favorite. Uh, Sunset Xbox Overdrive game. is the best game on the Xbox One. Anybody yeah. who says anything contrary to that, yeah, cannot be my friend. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, I also hadn't played the like I'd played, I like I'd gone to a friend's house once or twice in college or something. And we played a little bit of Halo on like on their 360, um, like played some, like a, were some Halo 2 maps now in retrospect, mm-hmm. but I never got into it. Um, Cause I missed the 360 era myself. Um, and so I was playing the Halo Master Chief collection. I was like, oh, I'm like, now is a chance for me to go back and play those games. And I played through the first two and I was like, yeah, these are painful. I don't know why people love these so much. I'm sorry. <laughs> Halo, the first Halo has a really, really brutal mission. Uh, can't remember the name of it, but it takes place in a library. And in that, the library floors all look the same. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say floors is because you go into the library and then you have to do a wide circle to then head down and do another wide circle and go down. And you know, you can see where this goes. And yeah. it's just endless waves of enemies as you literally just go in a circle over and over to the bottom. And that's one of the roughest missions I've ever... I would say had the pleasure of playing, but that was not a pleasure. And yeah, then to top it all off, I have a, a bratty little adorable nephew who was even younger and dumber at the time. And he, anytime he saw something shiny, he'd touch it. And this was back when my Xbox was more on his level. So he saw the power button, he always pressed it, and he always reset it. That sucks. That is terrible. Gael, if you ever listen to this, I hated you as a kid. (laughs) Suck it, Gael. Suck it. Um, All right, let's. uh, We we jumped ahead. So so diving back. So uh, Xbox wasn't really your uh, your scene. Understandable. Uh Um, Did you? like, did you dive into GameCube or Wii? Wii, I did. GameCube was solely um, Smash at other people's houses or parties. Yeah. The Wii, I found through my friend Sam. Uh, Sam has Sam has been my best friend since I was four, and he still is now. Uh, and he's actually coming up in a piece that I'm going to write for late to the game this month. So look out nice. for him. Um, but yeah, he's he's been my best friend. And he always like has been the person to put me on to new video games. So I went to his house and I played the Wii all the time there. And I got a Wii just to get Pokemon Battle Revolution, which was the companion game for Diamond and Pearl. Mm-hmm. So you'd connect the DS to the Wii, and then you'd be able to bring whatever Pokemon you had there into a 3D fighting space there. 
and I thought it was so cool. And then I convinced my mom to buy me the Wii after a horrible dentist appointment. And she, <laughs> she agreed to do it. And she probably regrets it to this day because that did not play that almost ever again. Like I, I, I played Wii Sports a lot, surprisingly. Um, I got to the point in Wii Bowling where my bowling ball had, was blue and had stars on it. So I was kind of a pro. Um, <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. Oh, yeah. If you hit pro level in any of the sports, you get like a neat little decorative thing. And for bowling, it was you got a blue bowling ball with stars on it. Um, so I play a lot of Wii Sports. I played Pokemon Battle Revolution for two hours before I knew it was not the game for me. Um... Super Mario Galaxy was a fantastic game and probably the only fantastic game I played on the Wii. And that was, I think that was the very same Christmas of the year that I got it. So then after that, it was just a drought. Like I wanted games, but I could never convince myself to buy them. Uh, this was when I was first getting an allowance. So even then it took me a while to save up to buy a game. Yeah. Uh, and then the the number one game I wanted was the one game I couldn't go into a store and buy, which was uh, No More Heroes, because okay. that game looked neat and weird. And I was a kid, so like the remotely sexy parts of it were just like, oh yeah, let me, let me play this. Um, but I tried to convince my, my older brother to get it, and I, I kept telling him I'd give him the money to buy it, and he'd never take my money to buy it, so... I hate you. I don't know if you can hear me on the other side of the wall, but you suck. <laughs> well, I'm hoping this doesn't turn into one of those like videos where he comes in and just starts punching you. <laughs> no, 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 no. He hasn't. We haven't been in a real fight in yeah years. Yeah, uh, he's 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 cool now. We're nice. cool now. We as 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 kids or as a kid, I like we'd fight a lot, and I always thought he was the bad guy. And I looked back like two years ago, and I realized like I was a dick. Oh, you were. And I just did. Yes, yeah, I, I did everything possible to annoy him, and I mean I can't even mention some of the things that like I did <laughs> to annoy him just because that's his privacy. But I I solely existed to just fuck his life up. Did you and, guys ever? I mean, uh, did you like growing up together? Were you got? Were you playing games together? Ever. Oh. No. In the traditional sense, no. Um, we had... Actually, this is a game that I missed in the PS2 era of this talk. We had Devil May Cry 2, which um, we we love to play. Again, we never had a memory card, so we kept resetting it over and yeah. over again. But Devil May Cry 2 was like the only game that we ever played together in the sense that he would play. And if he died, I'd play. And then if I died play and maybe grand theft auto games because i totally forgot about grand theft auto 2 um i go over to my cousin's house and play grand theft auto 3 way past my bedtime and i mean if you go back to grand theft auto 3 you know there's like absolutely nothing to do in grand theft auto 3 so that's that's quite a feat um and i i remember my i remember my cousin glenn he bought san andreas and he brought that to our house because he he couldn't like he bought it while he was in this neighborhood i assume so he automatically came to us to play it 
And I remember my brother telling me that I couldn't be in the room because it was an M-rated game. But then, like, they were playing it in the dining room. And it's just, like, to get to the kitchen or the bathroom to get food or pee, I need to pass by the dining room. So I'm just going to walk back and forth and just sneak peeks of it anyways. So you may as well just let me in. So I, I watched them play Grand Theft Auto San Andreas a lot. Uh, and, yeah, like, we, we never played games together in the traditional sense, but we'd play games together. And years later, when him, when me, him, and my cousin got into Call of Duty, um, we'd play that split screen at my cousin's house. And, yeah, that's, that's about as much as we played together. He's a fake gamer now. He yeah. says that he likes to play games. He always gets excited about new things, and he'll constantly like share videos on Facebook of like, "Oh, look at how great this trailer for Last of Us looked when it premiered." That's the VGAs or whatever. I'm just like, "Yeah, but you're not gonna play it." Only I play. It. His girlfriend has played it, and he hasn't played it. And that was <laughs> that. Was, like, The Last of Us was one of the first games she ever played. Like, he's. I don't know. I don't like my brother, but I love him. <laughs> Fake gamers, fake gamers all over the place. All right, any other uh, any other standouts then from like PS3 era that you kind of want to um, land on before we kind of round out with uh, the current era? Hmm. Hmm. PS3s. Well, I'm gonna save one because that's yeah. the next topic. Yeah. Um, we will get to that. And I mean, I loved its sequel as well. Um, uh ps3 ps3 i mean ps3 is when i started uh gaming uh for like multiplayer so that's that's a big thing that changed for me at that time it was like i didn't have to play with friends in the room which sounds really antisocial when i say it like that but it meant that we could spend time together doing something even if it wasn't always the most opportune time to get together so i just remember like a lot of like i remember one day we, i was playing black ops which is my favorite call of duty and it's the best call of duty um i i like started playing with my with sam and then before i knew it i was running a lobby of like eight different people who didn't know each other but were all my friends and two of my cousins i think and we just ran with that lobby for like the whole day in the ground war playlist. Um, Red Dead Redemption. Red Dead Redemption is a really big standout at that time. The Last of Us, since that's technically last generation. Mm -hmm. Another remaster is on this one. Uh, the Uncharted games. Which, I mean, I don't have to talk about these with you because you know, you've played all of these. You're in the kind of funny community. So somebody brings up most of these games once or twice a day. Yeah. Ben, uh, ben, uh, when Ben was on the show, his, uh, his number one, his favorite game was Uncharted, was Uncharted 4. 4. Yeah. Bold decision. I love Uncharted 4. I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's, Uncharted I mean, 4 is great, but Uncharted 4 wouldn't be up there for me. Okay. It's yeah. for me. I, I, I think he and I were in agreement that we kind of, um, I don't remember if he was if he liked two or three better, but for me, it's like it goes four, three, two, one in terms of like preference order. And I think it's because like 
because of how they all build on one another. Um, and you uh -huh. kind of get more out of each subsequent game. So for being kind of the culmination of everything, um, uh, I think like there are, there are moments in three that like stand out for me or moments in two that stand out yeah. above maybe some moments in four, but as a whole package, um, I tend to, I tend to fall on that. Like um, I will like a sequel more so than the original um, just because, just because it is building and it doesn't have to do like the legwork of an original game. Like it doesn't have yeah. to introduce you to Nate and Elena and Sully like yeah, the yeah. first one did or something like that. It just needs to expand on that. And at that point you're already familiar with the characters. So expanding on them is a thing you want. Yeah. I, I think, uh, I think like, I feel like it's Greg who always comes back to the moment where, uh, Nate and Elena were like having a conversation and it was like getting to like a deeper yeah. talk and then they put that off and it was just like, Oh, come on. Like, don't be a video game about this. Like actually delve into it. And like two minutes later, like there's an optional conversation that actually goes deeper into it. And that well, was, it's not, it's not even an optional one. It's it like, they, oh, it's, it's the, it's the moment they, um, uh, like they, ha they have their fight and they're like, like, what, how did you, we're not going to talk about this. And then you go on that drive in that like long, peaceful corridor. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's like, and the music swells up and it's, and, and they're just, you're, they're driving in silence and it's awkward, mm -hmm. but still beautiful. And then you like, the next thing is to, Oh, we need to get across that bridge and the bridge collapses as you go. And so when they like survive that, they're like, okay, we almost just died. We need to have this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Damn that game! It's it's a really good game. It's, it that is. game is so good. Yeah, I want to replay it again. Then do it. I don't. I don't. I'd have to borrow it from Sam because that's the only reason I replayed it again for game of the year consideration. I needed to like get back into it, and he still has his copy. So. Yeah. Um. But yeah, multiplayer games defined a lot of, um, the PS3 John the PS3 era for me. There's probably standouts that I'm not, that just don't come to mind because during those years, I played games fiendishly. Like it was just, it was a new game every other week. And I don't know how I afforded it. And I feel bad for my mom who probably had to buy it. So that's the only reason I could afford it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Those games, it's mostly multiplayer games right there. Okay. Like, it, like, Anything outside of shooters and Call of Duty, or? Uh, no. I mean, the biggest multiplayer game for me at that time was um, Red Dead Redemption's online. Okay. Oh, okay, you played a lot of that. Yeah. Red Dead Redemption is another game that I'd, I'm going to have to talk about it at some point on late to the game, and I just don't know. Because I, I have a thing already outlined for that piece. But it's just like that piece alone won't do the game justice. Like, I almost want to dedicate a whole month to it, but I also know that that's ridiculous and I shouldn't. So, it's your site, wow. do what you want, man. <laughs> it is, it is. It really is. Oh, damn. I'm going to do it. Yeah. I almost. Uh, I'm in I was going to, I was going to write a lot about Persona 4. And I decided that one piece or two wasn't going to be enough. So, I was planning on. Because it's called Persona 4 Golden on Vita. 
I was planning on actually around uh, Golden Week in Japan. I was going to like dedicate that whole week to just writing about Persona 4. So that, that might be a thing to look forward to at some point. Nice. That's a good segue. I mean, um, so you've played that on Vita, obviously. Um, any other yes. Vita? I mean, we can touch on that as well, but any other Vita standouts? Hmm. Soul Sacrifice. Did you, did, you, did you play PSP at all? I played PSP very little. I mostly played demos on PSP. Um, and Mega Man Maverick Hunter X on PSP. Mega Man has been another through line. You are you are a Mega Man person. I'm see that's the thing. I'm, but not, I'm not like not even a Mega Man original person. ones, right? Exactly. Well, I have mean, you played, okay. Well, have, have you played the the Legacy Collection at this point? I haven't. I haven't. Okay. I, is the Colin thing only on the 3DS version? Yeah, the Colin the Colin challenge is only on 3DS, but the the game itself is everywhere. Uh, everywhere else, yeah. <laughs> we'll see if I eventually get to it. I revisited one of the Mega Man's over Christmas. Christmas Day, I spent at a uh, family's house that I don't typically go to, and I don't look forward to going back to ever again. Um, but my cousin, one of my cousins there, he's a huge gamer guy, and whenever I'd go to his house, because I used to stop there every Sunday after church, I'd admire his collection of games and try to play as many as I could before I had to leave. And he has this tablet that he got like every old game ever on. And so I just spent that whole night revisiting old games. So I played Crash Bandicoot for the first time in like 10 years. Crash Bandicoot holds up. Not not like crazy well, but it, it holds up. It will, I can't it will wait. hold up better when it's when it's in the insane trilogy and That's a weird name. The insane trilogy. Um, Whatever. I'm not going to judge their creative decisions. I just, I'm looking forward to it. Um, but yeah, like Mega Man's been a thing for like ever, for some reason. Uh, and that's about all I played. I, I used to play the Dissidia Final Fantasy demo a lot. Okay. Because, man, Mega Man and fighting games just keep coming back up. Yeah. Dissidia is what, what broke my PSP, my first oh. one. Really? Yeah. The the specifically the sequel, um, I would I, like I would play that late at night before going to bed and stuff, and uh, and I would get really frustrated when I was like having a, a hard time or like I, when I couldn't beat chaos or something like that, and I would do this thing I, um, where I would like take the like take the thing and I would like slam it on the side of my mattress, so I mm. would get the satisfaction of like hitting something but not, not hitting something breaking that would it damage to it. Yeah. And I overextended at one point and hit the box spring, and just look. I was like, "Oh, f like, fuck! <laughs> I know I'm, this is not going to look good when I pull it back up." And sure enough, like yeah. split, like split screen right down the middle didn't didn't work anymore. So I was like, "Well, that was dumb." <laughs> that and that was the that was the best lesson I've ever had. Of like, hey, Trevor, um, keep your temper in check when you're playing video games. <laughs> um, so yeah, I've, that's that my temper. I have not rage quit anything since. <laughs> Oh, good, good, good. My my temper has been tested with a game one in this generation, specifically one encounter. But like, well, no, Bloodborne? yeah, because I I spent twenty four hours doing that and hated myself. Oh, yeah, it was Bloodborne. It was. I mean, we we can we can get right into because like the Vita, I it's become like my indie 
thing. Okay. Uh, I played Guacamelee on it, which I love. Yeah, severed. Nice. I nice. loved yeah, severed so, so much. Saw that in your uh, in your um, game of the year stuff. The game is so great and criminally underrated. Criminally underbought. I'm so glad they're on other wider systems because that game deserves to be played by everybody. Um, yeah, probably it's probably selling just fine on like mobile devices and stuff. Yeah, on on like iOS, it's probably doing well. Um, <laughs> probably doing better on iOS than it did on Vita, honestly. <laughs> definitely. Although I will say, Vita people came out in numbers. Yeah. When Severed came out, because it charted, mm-hmm. it charted for, I think it might have been like, was it number one that month? Um, or did it just crack the top ten? I think it just cracked the top ten. I don't, I, I don't remember. Like I remember writing about it, um, but I don't remember if it. I feel like it didn't hit number one, and I was like, if a new, if the like the big new game couldn't beat like Sword Art Online or something like that, or or Digimon or whatever, I was like, that's that doesn't that doesn't bode well for what's on like what's on the Vita. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, Japan's crazy about it, so the Vita's just fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's sold better than the Wii U. So that's that's so sad. The Wii U is a weird system. Very much. I so. I never bought it, and I'm glad I never did. But I actually made a thing about it because I I didn't have it, but I always wanted to play uh, like Smash Bros or Mario Kart. So I selfishly made a thing that actually worked out really well in the long run where on a weekend, on any given weekend, nowadays it's whenever my friends are all back in town, uh, we gather at one house and we just like play Nintendo like, the whole time. We'll play Just Dance, we'll play Mario Kart, we'll play um, Super Smash Bros. I am the greatest ever at Just Dance, by the way. Just, oh, okay. just putting that challenge out to anybody who wants to come for my title just fall back now all right um, I mean, i'm I, not gonna challenge you but <laughs> um but yeah i i called it nintendo nice and it's it started off as just me wanting to play with my friends wii u without having to buy one and then it became this pretty cool thing where you know we all miss each other so whenever we're all back we pile into one place and we act like buffoons Awesome. And a lot of that gets recorded by my friends. And so there's clips of me dancing to, like, what does the fox say? And that's, <laughs> nice. that's the craziest blackmail anybody has on me. Um, but, yeah, we can, get, we can get into PS4. So, yeah, Bloodborne pissed me the hell off with one fight. <laughs> Love that game to pieces. Probably one of the best games I've ever played. But I played it. In co-op, when my friends convinced me to buy it the year that it came out. And then last year, I decided to revisit the game out of boredom during the summer. And I accidentally started a, like a platinum run, which I still don't have the platinum, but I'm so dangerously close to that platinum that I owe it to myself to go for it. I also bought the DLC, so I kind of owe it to myself to go through that. It's an optional encounter that happens if you pursue this side quest with I I wasn't there for the entirety of your run so I don't know if you ever ran into her but she's a hunter that hunts other hunters called no, Eileen oh no I did not run into Eileen no yeah I Eileen the crow has this 
the side quest where she gets hurt. She goes around hunting the other hunters that are running around Yarnum. And after she chases one into the Grand Cathedral, she gets like mortally wounded. And then she's dying on the steps. And you can kill her and then just move on with your life. Or you can go into the Grand Cathedral and actually fight the person who killed her. And he he just plays too realistically. Like he plays too much like a player. And he has this absolutely insane like health pool. And he can revive he like he can regenerate health with a blood vial as well. And he has this weird sword that's like it's kind of a short sword. And then he's like stabs himself and then it comes back up with like blood and becomes longer and more lethal. And it's it just it got to me. And after doing it like 20 times, I actually scared the crap out of my grandma because I was sitting behind the couch on the, at the desk for my computer. And I threw my controller across the room and then I like punched the back of the couch that she was sitting on repeatedly. And not, not even like the soft part of it. I hit like where the wood frame is. Mm-hmm. And so, like, my hand got bruised after that. And then yeah. I had to let it, I had to let my hand, like, settle for, like, 20 minutes. And then I came back and I beat him. Yeah, that's, uh, that game. The rage is never worth it. No. Like, I've found that. I mean, I, it's, yeah. it should be obvious because it's a video game. But it's just, like, once you actually settle down, it becomes so doable. Like, it's, it's a game. It's, you can game the game into yeah. a win yeah I, that was uh, like my uh my experience with that on the 24-hour stream was uh took me four hours to beat the cleric beast um was my first encounter um and it, like it was only like an hour or whatever of actually fighting the cleric beast it was like three hours getting to of that point. oh um and then uh and then it took me another five hours to beat Gascoigne. um and that lovely like, man isn't he I hated that so much. It was like it was probably I probably died like forty or fifty times of the hundred and forty three times I died during that. You even you even used the music box strategy, which I never I tried that. I never used. Which, which somebody yeah somebody told me about that in the and and I ended up abandoning it pretty quickly because it just took too long to like get going um, mm-hmm. compared to once I learned how to like parry and and uh, and and hit him or something. Um, those viscerals, those viscerals yeah. are the key to that game. Yeah. Um, it's the uh, only yeah, thing that got me was, through the final boss. <laughs> it was it was probably like 40, 40 deaths on him, and finally I was like, "Screw this! It's been nine hours. Taking a damn break." Um, ate ate a couple slices of pizza, came back, beat him on the next go around, and I was like, "I hate this game. I hate this game yeah. so much. And I have to play it for another fifteen hours." <laughs> Shit. <laughs> how far? How far did you end up getting? Um, I ended up getting to uh, the boss fight with Rom, the spider. Oh, um, okay. Fought fought that a couple times. Didn't end up uh, killing it, um, uh, just because like there there were just so many other spiders that were like. It becomes around. a problem. It really does become a problem. Yeah, Those the spiders um, are fucking hell. Yeah, uh, and then I like so I was like, screw it for the last hour or whatever. I'm just gonna go like go fight minions and stuff elsewhere. And I stumbled into it's, I think it's an optional side thing, like a university um, 
Like it was, I was in a university type building or something like that. Oh, like with lecture you, halls and stuff. Yeah, um, you made it to uh, damn, what's the name? Bergenworth. You made it to okay. Bergenworth. Sure. Um, yeah, I was like, well, I'm, um, I'm just gonna die here. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm not deeply familiar with the lore and story of Bloodborne. Like, I, I can't make like a an alley video mm -hmm. on it, but I, I got grossly into it like one of the one of the youtubers she looks up to is uh I, I feel that she looks up to i can't say for sure um i think it's vati vidya and he makes oh, yeah. like yeah, in-depth videos on souls born games and i've seen his his like half hour lecture on the story of bloodborne way too many times just to try and remember the finer points of it but it it takes way too many twists and turns with Provost Willem and the Healing Church. The Healing Church is a weird. Thing. I'm getting way too into the weeds, <laughs> especially with so, somebody who hates Bloodborne. <laughs> it's it's fine. Like I I appreciate that. I appreciate people's love for the game. Just like we talked about earlier with with Final Fantasy VIII. Like I appreciate people's love of the game, even if I don't ha even if I don't share it. Um, yeah. Just because it's like I love, like passion begets passion. I love the things that people get passionate about, um, in the same way that I love the things I get passionate about. So yeah, yeah. I like I, I can appreciate that that like Ali and and you love Bloodborne, even if it's not something that resonates with me. Um, and I so I can I can I can understand it and and get it and and now I can get it at a at a more visceral level because I've. I've at least finally tried to play it and realized as, as I suspected that it was not a game for me, but so let's see what other, what other uh, PS4 games we've got. Well, in terms of the generation, the generation, uh, I played Witcher three on my Xbox and man, yeah. oh man, that game, that game is so good. Did you beat it? Yeah, I beat it. Okay. Thank nice. God. I got the, I got the good ending too. Awesome. Uh, I I, put, I got it with the girl that I wanted to, Triss all the way. Okay, nice. So that game that was, that game that was totally who I banged. But I also like, I, I'm I'm like Greg in this regard. Like I didn't get through the end of chapter uh, or like Act One on the game, but I put like a hundred hours into doing like all sorts of side quests and stuff. Yeah. Totally, yeah, totally hooked up with Triss. Um, because Jennifer, like in that early level of or in the in the early Jennifer game, is much so... time with her. She's so mean yeah, and that's kind of demanding. And it's like, Tris, Tris is being nice to me, so I'm yeah. going to go ahead and reward that with my love. Tris was the one who was by your side. I don't know. How you, did you ever play Witcher 2? No, no, but I like I, I gleaned a little bit from the... Yeah, um, she's the one who's like by your side throughout that game. Um, And yeah, she just... Like, she proved her worth to me there. I also banged her in that game, so... <laughs> I felt like just for the sake of consistency, like just on principle alone, I couldn't bang. So Witcher 2, did you play that on, on Xbox or did you play it on like on PC? I played it on my friend's Xbox 360, which he lent me. Okay. Yes. Uh, I played a lot of games on that. Actually, uh, shout out to South Park Stick of Truth from the last oh, generation. Yeah, that was a great one, yeah. Fantastic game. All these games are coming back to me now that I forgot to mention, like in the last few generations. Also, shout out to Kingdom Hearts. How could I forget Kingdom Hearts? Yeah. I just listened to Ian talk about it on on the OK Beast 
uh, podcast, and man, was him trying to explain Roxas like an a, I can't even put into words that experience. Like, it, I hate those games so much for how outrageous they are, and yet I like I I love like the gameplay of it mm-hmm. and the general themes of it. Yeah, but yeah, completely... I can't I can't give you a single like. I can maybe give you two plot points. Can't describe what the hell ties them together, though. Yeah, it's like the story of those games is completely like evaporated out of my head, and I I remember like the worlds, and I remember um, like the Final Fantasy characters, and I remember like bits and pe- like I remember Roxas from the beginning of Kingdom Hearts two, um, and. But like, yeah, and I like I remember his his connection to everything. But I'm like, I don't, I don't remember so much of like the rest of that universe. And in part because I only played really the the two main games. I'm gonna, that's what I'm gonna try and set aside some time for. No, when the, no, you don't. You don't want to. You don't, no, you no. Really I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna fall down that rabbit hole when oh. one five and two five come out on uh, on PS4 in March, I think. Oh, it's March. Um, okay, okay, good. Yeah, the end of I March. want to fall down that rabbit hole. I so want to fall down that rabbit it's, hole. Like it's probably gonna, it's probably going to. Like I'm trying to think. I think Persona Five comes out end of April now. So April fourteenth. Like, okay. Okay. So I will. I will. I will maybe try. Like okay, I'm gonna play the 1.5 games before Persona Five, and then I'm gonna yes. fall into Persona Five for a month or two, uh, and then. And then come back to the Kingdom Hearts 2.5 stuff. And Luckily for I'll... what I'm doing, there's no imperative on me to get yeah, to maybe. any of this on time. I mean, yeah, like that—that's so. not going to be a—that's—that's that's a me replaying like oh, no, yeah, 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 games totally. and stuff myself. So, yeah, yeah, King, Kingdom Hearts, good gameplay, story all over the place. <laughs> the there's like a 100. I, I think it's a 100 nobodies battle. Or you you fight a hundred nobodies in mm-hmm. Kingdom Hearts two, that's like supposed to be framed as like this epic battle, when really it's just like it's like a hundred weaklings versus like a fully powered Sora. Mm-hmm. And when I first played that, that it was one of the most incredible epic moments any video game has ever presented me with. Nice. So Hooray I can't wait to get back to that. Hooray for the Coliseum. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um. Let's see what else on the PS. I already mentioned Sunset Overdrive, which is an incredible, incredible game. Yeah, did you play Ratchet Damn, and Clank I last year? I haven't played Ratchet and Clank. The last Ratchet and Clank I played was a Crack in Time, and that was borrowed. And I only played like two, three hours of it, but I couldn't get it out of my head how absolutely beautiful that game was. Like the the, the one consistent thing that Ratchet and Clank has had going for it besides it's like it's ratchet and clank and their weaponry is that those games have always been absolutely dropped at gorgeous or at least they have in the later systems i can't speak to anything before tools of destruction really mm. um but yeah i i want to get to it because it's it was 40 dollars and it should be cheaper by now yeah i'm sure it is and also the movie's up on Netflix, I saw. So I'm going to oh, okay. take some time to finally watch that. Since nobody took the time to watch it while I was in theaters. There you go. Um, 
I, I swear to God, all these games keep coming to me super late. I don't know how I forgot this, too. Sly Cooper. Okay. All four of those games, absolutely perfect. Band of Thieves, the second one, the most perfect of the most perfect quadrilogy ever. Um, replaying them. Uncharted. <laughs> exactly. Replaying those on PS3 was the greatest like trip down memory lane ever. And if I'm correct, Sly Cooper 2 was my first Platinum as well. Mm. Which isn't... A, getting Platinums has totally not been a thing for me ever until recently. And I totally blame that on... Not even on Nick and... Oh, Nick. Nick doesn't <laughs> Platinum games. Uh, Greg and Colin. Or Colin and Greg, whatever. However order you want to say their names in. Um, that's actually... Damn, I'm stupid. The Nick that I was thinking about is my friend Nick, not Nick Scarpino. Nick Salazar did get me into platinum games. So I hate you, Nick. But I love you too. You're the best. Um, PS4, 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 PS4. Throw out some names and see if they ring a bell with me. Because the thing is, I just I play way too many games. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, like I mean, I know your your game of the year was Overwatch last year, right? Overwatch is fantastic. Yeah. Overwatch is the best shooter I've ever played. It's it's definitely the best multiplayer shooter. And I think it's 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 definitely my favorite shooter too. I think the golden standard of FPS shooters though is like Doom. Like 2016 Doom was outstanding. Thank you. I agree. Yeah. Multiplayer and I, eh. I did um when I did my top ten with uh, with Alex on Irrational Passions, I was like, "No game, no shooter should ever be feel slower than Doom." Now, Doom yep. should be our new baseline. Yep. Yeah. And was, I mean, the way shooters was, are going, they're trying to keep up with that pace. Yeah, no, like Titanfall Two did a good, good, uh, good job with it. Call I of should, Duty. I should play Titanfall Two. Felt felt fast. It felt. Call of Duty felt slower to me than Doom and Titanfall, but I'd also like played t- Titanfall the week before I played Call of Duty, and it was my first Call of Duty game too. And then Battlefield. <coughs> wait, wait, me. wait, wait! Call of Duty Infinite Warfare was your first Call of Duty? Yeah. Oh man, you missed the golden era of Call of Duty. I like, yeah, I was, I was not a, uh, I, I fell out of shooters for a long time. Like, I grew up. I grew up in the real golden era of shooters with Wolfenstein 3D and Doom and Duke Nukem. Whatever. whatever. Thank you, Quake. Um, uh, Isn't it yeah. crazy how all those games are coming back or that's, are back? It is indeed. I mean, that's you. You, that's that's brand for you. That's brand recognition. Um, why why try and reinvent something when you can just kind of pull from those roots? Um, but yeah, as a uh, like outside of maybe like Borderlands, um, I kind of damn. That's an, uh, that's another one. Borderlands is one of my favorite games ever. Well, there we go. I, we, we hit it. I played Borderlands all the way through by myself, which is not how you are supposed to play those games. That's how I played them though. <laughs> and I one hundred percented Borderlands one. Like I, I didn't get the platinum, but I one hundred percented like. All the quests, and obviously you can't get every gun in that game, or maybe you can, but that's a foolish endeavor. Um, but yeah, Borderlands One is so good. Borderlands Two is great. I just never finished it. 
Because hmm. that one I did want to play with friends. And I, I could never convince my friends to get it. And the pre-sequel I just never touched. But Borderlands is absolutely, absolutely one of the best shooters. And one of the funniest games ever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, some great great humor in those games. Um, Which brings me, actually, to another one of my favorite games uh, that did come out this generation. Destiny. Dest- Destiny. One of the funniest games ever. Destiny. <laughs> Destiny has some humor. There was that one thing. They did their their, Hall- their their Halloween event for the first time in 2014. Was it 2014? Yes, it should be 2014. Sounds right. Uh, yeah. Right. And like a month or two after launch, yeah. No, 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 no. Wait, did it launch in 2014? Oh, my God. I have I my so. timelines all mixed up. Okay, wait. I'm just going to do this really quickly in my head. Well, out loud. If Destiny like, came remember, out, in... I remember playing the when they did the the Halloween stuff and gave you like pumpkin heads the first time around. Yeah. Okay. So if Destiny came out in 2013, um, 2014 would have been no. It, it, uh, would have been 20... 2014 would have been Taken King. 2015 would have been Rise of Iron. No, it, so it came out. In 2014. It was 2014. Yeah. So when they did the first Halloween event in 2015, um, they had this weird. They had the the masks thing, and one of the funniest things ever was because people used to cheat on the raid and knock. Uh, I don't Archeon. even remember his name. Yeah, Archeon was that his name? I think they so. Used to I, knock... never, I never played the raids, but I knew I they knew used... that was the way to cheese it. They yeah the the way they cheese him was they'd knock him off, and so to to I think keep his mask, you had to wear like. A temporary one of it and then you'd have to trip off the tower so you'd have to knock yourself off the tower so you could get the mask and it's it's weird destiny's humor is all inside jokes yeah oh the like the loot cave yeah oh my god loot cave was one of the saddest nights of trying to exploit a game i've ever done in my life <laughs> Oh, did you just sit there and shoot at the loot cave? Oh yeah, no, I participated in loot cave. I was I was there at the forefront of loot cave. Um, I, I actually it, I did it for like five minutes. I was like, this is boring. <laughs> I'm just gonna go. Like, I, and I left like a dozen people trying to do it. <laughs> absolutely, one of the most boring things ever. The great thing about Destiny though was it was the it was the game that like really introduced me to a game that you can just sit down and play with friends and the actual gameplay is background to sorry i'm reaching for my charger um it's actually it's like background to just facilitate conversation like i remember i remember talking with my friend stefan when when destiny launched and we played it till like three in the morning one weekend because we ended up talking about like Oh hey, who are you going to prom with? And then started this whole conversation that went for hours and hours. And that's where I met Cameron, who was my roommate for Kind of Funny Live. And he's the only reason I was able to make it because he put me up for free in his hotel room. Uh, I met my friend Nick, who I keep bringing up through that, and I consider him one of my best friends now. And he. He was one of the first people to push me to write about video games because I played Dragon Age Inquisition after I beat Wild Hunt, and I 
I tweeted out a whole big rant about how if I had played it before Wild Hunt, I probably would have loved the game. Mm-hmm. But since the Wild Hunt's world was so well realized, it put anything in Dragon Age Inquisition to shame. And after that thread, he just like tweeted at me, hey, do you want to write for like my video game website? And I turned it down, but like that's been stuck in the back of my head until I eventually just started writing for my own video game website. There you go. Um, so yeah, Destiny, Destiny's great. Um, I wish the developers would do a better job of communicating with the fans because mm-hmm. that has been really shitty. Has, that, um, has it been? So I, I I was in destiny for like the first few months and then like i just was like okay like i it was before it was before kind of funny branched out and and became their own thing um Mm -hmm. so i didn't have like online friends that i was playing with and and i've never been much of an online person so i was like i I, all i would hear was like oh the raid's really great it's like the best part of the game and i was like well i'm never gonna play the raid so oh well that sucks um but i would like I would mindlessly kind of like just do patrols and stuff on earth or on the moon or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And in those early days, I felt like Deej, um, uh, I mean, like they had like weekly updates on like the, on the blogs and stuff. um, They still, they still, they still do. They still, yeah. Bungie's weekly update is still very much a thing. The thing is that a lot of the game came out and then there was the grind to be ready for the raid. Mm-hmm. when that launched in like two weeks and then after the raid they had announced their plans for dlc which ended up being the dark below which um it came with a good raid it, it's the it's the worst of the raids but it came with a decent raid and it came oh, Cro- is now the crota is now considered the worst yeah crota's end is considered the worst okay um then house of wolves came out and that didn't even have a raid that yeah, had... it was supposed to i like yeah. i have the uh the like when i bought the because i bought like dark below and house of wolves like i got mm-hmm. the expansions or whatever and it was like yeah you're gonna get a new raid with each one and they were like yeah we're gonna not do a raid on this one i was like oh so you're literally not giving me what i paid for okay yeah, yeah they decided to uh give <sighs> the prison of elders which was a three-person like horde mode which is fine but i had enough of horde modes with call of duty zombies so i got over that a long long before i even got to destiny and then house of wolves came out april or may of 2015 and then the weekly updates continued but it was just like it was fixes yeah it was balancing and stuff bullshit and there, there wasn't any like proper content update until September. So for like half a year, they just kind of left people like up with their hands in the air, like. But did what you are we supposed like, to do with your game now? Sparrow racing or something? Yeah, yeah. People were like, "Hey, let's do sparrow racing," and then they finally introduced sparrow racing in December, which is good. But literally anything would have satisfied like the destiny community and then after taken king they promised hey we're gonna like keep you like doing things in the game and then taken king actually came out in september 
And then in October, they had the Halloween event. And then we had Sparrow Racing. And then there was like a half-assed Valentine's event that they did. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it was another just drought where they kept talking with the community, but like they weren't really talking like, hey, we have this plan for the future. Like even just a tease of something would have been better than like always just talking about like, oh, well, here's the community clip of the week. Uh, here's this like small round of bug fixes. You know, for a competitive player, probably cares for little bug fixes, but like most players aren't competitive players. Most mm-hmm. of us are PVE people. So they did a, they've always, since like Destiny came out, they've been doing like a poor job of communicating with the community. And the hope is that they're getting better at it. I haven't actually been in the Destiny, uh, like I haven't been reading the weekly updates or playing the game. Or really doing anything with Destiny since I beat Rise of Iron, which was the last expansion in September. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So I'm looking forward to Destiny 2, but I really hope they just make more dense games and talk with us more. Like, we want to love your game. Yeah. Makes sense. Any, uh, any final current era? Uh, games you want to kind of land on before we dive into your favorite game? Persona 4 Golden. Persona 4 Golden? Is the best Japanese role-playing game I've ever played. <laughs> um, I I have a piece written. Well, it's not complete, but it's in the process. Um, and it's one of like a series of them. I don't know how they're going to roll out because those other ones are still... like I'm still working things out for them in my head right now but that's a game that i'm gonna write a lot about uh it's a game i want to revisit because i got the bad ending which really soured an otherwise fantastic game uh but yeah i mean the most i could say about it is just that i played that game after i left high school and it really 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 made me miss high school and really made me appreciate that like i have as good a cast of friends as the people in Persona 4 Golden. It's it's interesting because like I like I know you're not the first person I've talked to that got like the bad ending and it really soured their experience. But I I played it, got the bad ending my first time around. Um and like I don't mean, I mean like it feels like a blur to me at this point. Um, because I was like, oh, like, oh, we just skipped a whole bunch of time. What, what just happened? Oh, and, that, oh, and now the games now we're, yeah, done. it's okay. a really, it's okay. a really weird ending. And so, so I was like, like I, I went out and did some research. I was like, oh, this is what I need to do to get like a better ending. Okay. So I loaded up like an old save. I didn't have to like replay through the whole game or anything. Cause I like growing up with JRPGs, I knew to have like three or four backup saves at various points. Um, yeah. and so I was able to like. I was able to go through and get a good ending and then um but even that like so i like i barely remember that i got the bad ending first um so it wasn't it wasn't this like terrible like i'd still spent enough time with those characters that i like i enjoy it's it's very much a game of like i enjoyed the journey regardless of where i ended for it um mm-hmm. and i was all too happy to go and play it again and again 
think I've I've, I've played through the game three times now. Um, uh, I wish. I wish. The, the <laughs> it's only, the only game I really want to play over and over and over again. The one trophy that is keeping me from the platinum on that stupid is it Reese's? Is, is, is it Reese's dialogue? Reese's oh. biggest fan. Yeah, it's like uh, like I I don't I, I don't. Like I would have I to start the game over are. and not a new game plus kind of thing to do it because I'm so over leveled for everything that I can't get I can't get any of the ones where the, like oh no I should be afraid of these guys um, and so it's just like I I don't have the time to go back and pour another fifty hundred hours into trying to get just that one trophy <laughs> yeah I I wouldn't even know where to start with yeah. that trophy I mean I like, I've I've Alex looked up guys the platinum right. Uh, I believe so, because he got that he got that trophy on like his first pass through or something like that. Um, yeah, I think I think in his latest run through, he went and finally got the platinum on it. Um, but yeah, it's it it's like I've looked at guides where it's like here's every line of dialogue she says and the circumstances you, know you need to, to get them. Um, so and it's basically a checklist. So print it out and like just check them off as you get them. And I'm like, I don't have the patience to do that. <laughs> I'd so. do it just for that game, but it's it's 250 lines if I'm remembering yeah. the trophy right. And there's there's like That's 500 plus that you can get, but it's I mean some of them are so scenario specific or something like that that it's like you know in any given game you're not going to get 200 of them or something. So yeah, and yeah, I never I never got the 250 that I needed or whatever. So mm-hmm. that's that's always the like what's what's your biggest like trophy regret um mm-hmm. whenever like greg and colin get that question I'm like there's my answer right there <laughs> okay i'll get i'll get to it some i ex- the thing is i left my vita charger in canada and so i've i keep like subtly floating it by like ali like hey break uh, into you... the house where i was and like send me my charger but of course she's not gonna do that so no seems seems antithetical to her being a lawyer yeah yeah. Darn lawyers. Um, right. yeah, yeah, just so like quickly wrap this up. Uh, I've I played a lot of indie games on my PlayStation 4 and my Vita. Um, Bastion, I started on my Vita, hated it on Vita, put it on my PS4, finished it in like two nights. That game is fantastic. Supergiant Games, I think that's their name. Supergiant yeah. Games makes excellent games. I cannot yeah. wait for Pyre. Yeah, oh, it's really the main cool. reason I want to go to PAX East, honestly, is in the hope that Pyro will be there and I can like play that's, an early build of it because I know it was there last. Yeah, that's where they debuted it last year. Um, like they they announced it like two or three days before, and we're like, and we're gonna be at PAX East. Yeah, yeah so I can't I, I can't wait. Transistor, I just went through and and uh, finally beat Transistor. I was actually just writing the uh, the review of it last night night because like I played it like when it came out. Um, but for whatever reason, I just got like pulled in other directions and never beat it. Um, and then I was like, what do you, what do you think? Really enjoyed it. Um, okay, yeah, good. Like, I love the combat. Of, oh yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I'm totally on board the super giant, um, even, even without having beat it, it was like my number eight game of the year in 2014 or whatever, when it, when good. it came out. Um, good. um, yeah, really enjoyed it. And I, I, I then played Bastion last year. Um, yeah, I only played Bastion after I played Transistor. Yeah, at PAX South. And then at, at RTX last year, I got to play Pyre. I got to do a demo of Pyre. Um, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited so for that game. excited for Pyre! It's, it's and it, really has, it has a multiplayer mode, which I'm usually against. Yeah, that's, that, was, that was one of those things, like, when, 
when I was playing it, I was like, oh, this would be really fun if they like yeah. if they do a multiplayer version of this. I didn't um, think they actually would though. And then bada bing, bada boom. Yep. There's multiplayer. So Trevor, me and you are playing Pyre multiplayer. All right. Yeah. All right. Totally. Even if it's only once, if you're not a big multiplayer guy, we're playing that at least once. Sounds good. Um, yeah. Any any other uh, crazy standout indies? Uh, I played Limbo on my Vita. I love Limbo. I, I saw just... that you. I saw that you beat it just as you you hit like the glass just as your plane landed. Yeah. Yep. How that was, was a, that? That was a very. I mean, like the. So I played Inside last year, and it didn't really wow me or anything. Inside um, is. I hadn't played Linda Limbo. Um, uh, and so I was, I was like going through, I was like, okay, like I get why people that really love this game love inside and vice versa. Um, and it just, it still wasn't doing it for me, but yeah, like, um, I was playing it like at the airport and then got on the plane and then, yeah, just in the, in that moment when like, when everything slows down and you go through that, that thing at the end, um, like that was when I touched that, like, I, like, I feel like in my memory, at least, like I touched down as I shattered the glass. Um, I was like, "Well, that was a weird moment. Cool. That's that is, that's like a really... the best moment I had in this game." But it's yeah. like completely outside of the game's control was the, that I was going to land when that that moment happened. Um, yeah, Limbo's I, I, good. Uh, I I I wrote about it in my honorable mentions. Um, if you think like Limbo is good. Uh, which is weird because you you like Limbo. It seems it sounds like you like Limbo more than you like Inside. No, I, I mean neither of them really like did anything for me. If, oh, okay. If I had to rank the two, I'd probably say Inside because it's a, it's, it's more, it's slightly more colorful and yeah. and it's 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 Limbo refined. Um, mm -hmm. So I think I think they improve upon the mechanics of and and what they do with Limbo and do it yeah. better in Inside. But even like both of them, it's like okay, like. I get that you guys are, like have this grandiose idea of what this game is in your heads, but I'm I'm bored by it. <laughs> no, in, Inside kept me, Inside definitely um, kept me like scared and entertained throughout the whole thing. Like, it's easily the scariest game I've ever played, which is really weird because mm, interesting. It, yeah, but maybe that speaks more to the quality of horror games than Inside's ability to scare me. But that game terrified the crap out of me, and I love it. And I, I wrote in my thing, like, if you think Limbo's good, Inside makes Limbo eat shit. <laughs> um, I mean, like, I, I definitely can see, like, unsettling. But, and it, so maybe it's just me, and because, like, jump scares are what will get me, and that's yeah. why I will never play horror games and stuff, because I don't want that kind of stress. Um, and, and there so you're not jumping like into Resident Evil Seven in VR anytime soon? No, not planning on it. No, unless uh, unless I like unless a gaming site hires me and pays me lots of money to make a fool out of myself on camera, <laughs> I'm not diving into uh, to Resident Evil or like Rush of Blood or I mean, like even until dawn. It's like I'm not a gore and jump scare kind of. I'm yeah. not a horror fan, so yeah. those games don't really appeal to me. Inside something like Oxenfree. Um, like I need to play I, oxen. I enjoy unsettling, um, and yeah, and yeah. This fear that something's going to happen, and like a jump scare every now and then is okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I feel like that's that's definitely what inside did. Like, it kept me on the edge of my seat, mm -hmm. for lack of a better term. Like the whole time, especially when I don't, don't want to get too into spoilers for inside, but like especially in the water segments uh -huh. with that thing with that, that thing in the water yeah yeah like that 
every time that came, it scared the crap out of me. So every time I got through a room and I was just like, yes, no more of it. It just like popped back up over yeah. like that was like a solid 20 minutes, especially with one of the puzzles that kept me thinking like, what the hell do I need to do? Mm. That was like a solid 20 minutes of me just like shitting myself. Yeah, I think I think one of my it, it and I noticed it much more when I was playing Limbo than than I ever did I think in Inside um, because I think Limbo especially it's like okay there was no way I could have known that that thing was there so I was going to die um, it's it's like Limbo is very much a trial and error kind of thing um, and it just didn't like I was like I don't like hopping into a game knowing that I'm just going to die a lot until I memorize the sequence of things I need to do to not die. Yeah. Um, I like it, it seemed that reads to me as like unfair. It's like, okay, it's like, like they have a weird fetish at play dead for like killing kids. <laughs> and, yeah. And all the different ways you can kill. A child. I've, I've tried not to look into that too much, but I, I get <laughs> totally what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they're brutal. They're brutal yeah. with those. Oh, absolutely. Like, get, like, like the, the in the beginning of Inside, like a gut or something like that. Yeah, in the beginning of Inside, when the guys are like chasing you, mm -hmm. like I slowed down at when like one of the guys popped out of the van, and he like grabbed me, threw me down, and like executed me with an AK, and I was just like, Jesus Christ! Yeah. Like I'm a kid. Yeah. But yeah, I I'm really hoping Play Dead's next game isn't with a kid, but. From the looks of that, like little concept art they gave, it might be a kid. Yeah. Or yeah. maybe it's a maybe it's an astronaut. I don't know. It looks like an astronaut and an asteroid coming down. Yeah. So we'll see where that goes. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I think I think that wraps up my gaming history in a two-hour nutshell. All right. I mean, that's that's par for the course for the show. So. Oh no! Yeah, gonna... didn't Zyger go for like four and a half hours? Five and a half hours. Oh, God. That Open boy. Up. Hoping to never do that again. <laughs> oh, Zyger's um, gonna come back on. Uh, yeah, Zyger will be back. I mean, he, yeah, he may be back. He gets his way. He gets his way with whatever he wants. Eh, sometimes. I, I can say no to Zyger. Daddy Trevor can say no to Zyger. Okay. Um, you heard it here first. Yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah. No. Uh, just at just under two hours. Let's go ahead and dive into topic two. Uh, your favorite game. Hit Wait, me. One one second. Okay. Why? What is your obsession with those? Like, they can't be that soft. They are that soft. Okay. My brother's obsessed. Do you want to show the camera what I, you're wearing? This is what he goes to sleep in nowadays. Nice. He's a grown man. That's fair. That's fair. Big okay. pinky pajamas. Cool. That's my brother. All right. Topic two. Topic two. Take two. <laughs> um... <laughs> So my favorite game ever is uh, Infamous, uh, Infamous, specifically the first one. Uh, yeah, those games, those games are all very, very, very good. Um, I'm I'm with Colin, I believe, who's of the mind. Well, I think everybody's of the mind actually, not just Colin. Uh, that Infamous Two is better than Infamous. Okay. And Infamous Second Son was a lackluster um, follow-up to that, but still a very good game in its own right. But in the first Infamous specifically sticks out to me. Um, 
just for the sake of a cool, well, not a cool story, but a story to tell. Um, I came home the day that Infamous came out. And, well, I ran home. And I immediately grabbed my wallet, which had $60 in it to pay for Infamous. And I ran back out to run to my local GameStop to buy Infamous. And unfortunately, the way the f- schedule for our family works, uh, within like 15 minutes of me getting home from school, my dad would typically wake up from his nap and then head back to work. So while I was away, he um, he got up, he got ready to go back to work, and he left and he shut the door and he locked it. I ran to get Infamous without my keys in my pocket. So I go to GameStop, I buy the game, whatever. I come back. I bang on the door downstairs so that somebody can let me into the building. Somebody lets me into the building within like two minutes. That's all cool. I run upstairs and I bang on my door because, well, I tried the the knob first because I thought it was still open and it wasn't. And then I banged on the door like a madman and nobody answered. And I called my mom because I call my mom for every emergency. And I tell her like, hey, can you come here? Because I'm locked out. And she says, sure, I'll be there at around six. It's like four right now. (laughs) And I tell her, okay, okay, I'll see what I can do. The problem here is that I had to pee. And so if I went too far away from where I was, I probably wasn't going to make it to the closest bathroom I could use. And especially if I ran to the closest place, I was definitely going to pee like on myself on the way out. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I went back downstairs in the hope of like, sort of slowly making my way to my parents' shop, which isn't too far, but at this point, it's, like, really bad, and anything is going to make me pee. Um, And (laughs) I make it outside, and then this lady, she, like, sees me, like, pacing back and forth, like, in distress of something. She doesn't realize that, like, I'm I'm about to let loose. She thinks that, like, something's happened to me. So she asks me, like, oh, can I help you with anything? And I, like, I tell her, like, oh, I, I just, I need to get here, but, like, I'm having, like, a little, like, I, I need to use a bathroom. Is there any chance that I could use yours? And she says, oh, sure. And then I'm, like, thank God. You're, you're like, you're my hero right now. You're actually Jesus descended from the clouds right now coming just to save me. And so she lets me back in, and luckily she's on the first floor. She lets me into the apartment. Before I can make it to the bathroom, I pee myself in her apartment. <laughs> and that, I mean, it wasn't even a small one. Like, there's not just, like, a little sign of pee. I wet my whole right pant leg. And at, like, not even just outside her front door, I'm in, like, her living room and I just wet myself and I wet her floor and the only thing I can do at this point is like 
just say I'm sorry as it comes trickling out. And despite it all, you love Infamous. And despite it all, I love Infamous. Infamous started with a really... It started with a bang for me. So, <laughs> I mean, it was all downhill from there, but... No, it, like Infamous, Infamous is a great game. But it's unfortunate that that's how Infamous started. It's that not, was the only thing that like made me happy. The fact that I had Infamous was the only thing that kept me happy during kept, that whole ordeal. You kept P off of Infamous. I kept P off of Infamous. I had a copy of Infamous in my hand, and I knew I was going to play that all night. So despite the fact that I peed myself in a stranger's house... <laughs> by the way, I've never seen this lady since. Oh, okay. Like, I don't know if I just, I've just like subliminally avoided her, or if I just don't remember her face again. But I, I have for sure never seen this lady since that day. Um, and yeah, I, I called my mom. I told her that I peed myself. And she immediately came over to unlock my door. And I was, I mean, in the back of my, I, like, to her, I was just like, thank you for, like, coming to unlock the door. In the back of my head, I was thinking, why the fuck couldn't you make it here before so I didn't have to pee on myself <laughs> in this lady's house? Um, and yeah, then I showered for a really long time. Uh, I re like I rethunk my life while I was in the shower. I decided that I think that was the day that from there on I decided I have to pat myself down at the door to make sure I have my keys. And yeah, then I put in Infamous, and Infamous turned out to be one of the greatest games ever. Um, it's a comic book in video game form. Mm -hmm. uh, those like stylized cutscenes like that are my favorite. I remember when there was a trailer for Infamous Two, it showed the the scene where you rescue Quo, I think, from the people who gave her her ice powers, and it was instead of actually just being a cutscene, it was like a stylized cutscene in comic book form of him like coming down like a into a dark room, and he's like surrounded by light, and he like lifts her up, and he like gets her out of there. And those were always incredible. Um, it was the first game I ever played that made me make moral decisions, like whether to be good or bad. Mm -hmm. I'd heard about Fable before, but obviously Fable was on Xbox, so I never yeah. played those games. Yeah, it was the first game to make me make moral decisions like that. Um, Zeke will forever be the homie. <laughs> and at least a small part of that is the fact that my brother's name is Ezekiel's. And growing up, we'd call him Zeke. So it was just like, hey, I mean, my brother was never been like a wannabe cop or fat or a lazy person like Zeke. But like, it was just like, oh, he has like the same name. Like, yeah, you don't, you don't get, you, yeah. some, some people just don't get their names in video games all that much. Yeah. So it was just, it was a neat my connection to have like, to it really was Trevor in GTA 5. So I was like, awesome, great. Yeah. You got now named one of the greats. Video game again. <laughs> yep. Uh, but yeah. Um, so yeah, Zeke. Zeke became like. It was it was a neat thing that like my brother, was like a nice parallel to Cole's brother. Um, his girlfriend's name was Trish, if I'm correct. Yeah. Trish. Trish was just. I mean, I had never played a game at that point, where you had a girlfriend. So it was, it was like a neat, like I don't know. Infamous was one of the first games that introduced like a lot of 
deeper characterization and gameplay systems than a lot of the games I had played before. So, like, upgrade systems were new to me with Infamous. Um, yeah, the fact that you could have a character that was your character's girlfriend was a weird thing for me because it, like, forced me to care. Um, I, f I mean, I'm not crazy because they've said it as much. It was neat having uh, Empire City, which is, like, kind of based off of New York City. Mm -hmm. um, at the time, I thought it was one of the most beautiful games ever, and I've gone back, and that game looks awful. But it looked, I mean, it looked good for the time. It looked good for its time, but it's just it's so weird, especially the the first scene where you're coming out of the crater and like you're making your way through like the parking lot, and then the thunder like hits you on the bridge, and like the animations of the characters around you when that happens is so bad. <laughs> Especially like Zeke's reaction on the other side of the bridge as that happens, and then I don't like that game. That game's old. I'm 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 laying into it because it's old, but the fact is it is old. Um, yeah, Infamous is just a great game. Like I, I what do you think of Infamous? I mean, Infamous. Uh, I came to Infamous. I love it as well. Um, I came to it after the great PSN outage, because. Um, oh that was one of the, like, they offered as, like, uh, we're sorry we fucked up for 40 days. That was, yeah, that was the, the rep, one of the reparations games. And so I, like, I, when I was, when they were like, here are the six games you can choose from, um, I basically, I was like, well, I don't know, like, most of these games. So I did some research and, like, and, and read, uh, like, I read reviews on IGN, basically, to see, like, okay, well, which, like, what are the games that are, like, highest ranked and or highest rated and and you know what 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 are people saying about them and i read about infamous and i i picked up infamous and dead nation from that um were, were the same. two games i picked same two choices here and even so, though i already had you, you already I had think at that point i had uh i had traded in my copy of infamous uh -huh. and so to like keep it with me forever i believe i got a digital copy of infamous with dead nation yeah yeah, so that's so I I played that and I was and I got yeah I got really into it got really hooked, um, uh, enjoyed it like I, moral choices were not a new thing for me with um, you know with a handful of other games that I played I mean, like going back to even like Kotor or something like that on on the, uh, the original Xbox. Um, I need to play Kotor. It, there's some good games. They're also very old. <laughs> um, oh yeah, I mean it suits my sight. So whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I'll I'll um, deal with it. Yeah, the uh, uh, but yeah, the 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 comic, the original comic book character nature of it, especially because like I'm, like, so uh, when Heroes was a TV show, um, I was like, I was super into like I wanted like I was I was uh, I was writing sketch comedy and stuff in college I think at the time, and I basically was like I want to be a writer was was one of like my my things. So I was like I'm gonna. I'm gonna go to Hollywood. I'm gonna be a writer for Heroes. I'm gonna write myself into the show, and and the, or I mean, it's, it's a it's a thing I've had for a long time where I was like, I want to write a character that is a superhero, super villain kind of thing who um, controls electricity, and loses like when his powers manifest for the first time, um, they manifest while he's like holding his child and he electrocutes his child and kills him, and so he like he lives with that regret for the. For the rest of his life, but he can control electro uh, electrical current 
not just with like flashy like shooting lightning from hands but like even at the molecular level and stuff and so he can like he could rewire neurons in a brain or something like that has been like my ideal okay. superhero villain thing that i want to write the, the the character that i want to write so mm -hmm. seeing a character that could that was like this character controls electricity like it's it's why i have like a a a ridiculously like weird love for like static shock growing up uh yeah. uh really enjoyed like that kind of power um uh and so yeah that like seeing an electric a character that can control electricity i was like yes i'm in i'm like this is awesome um and uh and and yeah the the story it's a good story and and it does get you kind of invested um it does the thing that like moral games always do that i think is the big weakness of them in that um like you have to be all good or all bad um or or you just kind of miss out on some things um so you can't like play kind of middle of the road and you can't be like oh i'm gonna be good here i'm gonna be bad here but i tried doing that my first time through i ended up getting like locked out of certain abilities and stuff i was like well that sucks um, yeah that was the unfortunate part it tied the morality to the abilities you could have because i played good the first time and then i played bad the second time and um i realized on the bad playthrough like holy shit the bad guys have all the good like spin on the abilities and the, the good guys got shit the whole time yeah. and i mean i've played that game mil like i used to play that game all the time i've done whole playthroughs of that game at least 20 times <laughs> wow um yeah it's it's the, it's easily the game i've replayed the most i don't know if in-game time that ranks up like to a lot but i've i've definitely played that game a lot and i've i on my third playthrough i did like a mix match and then that's where i realized like there's no proper balance to this like i can't get one thing and then maybe get another on these two different points on these two different scales and then I, I realized, like, that was the biggest problem with the game on that playthrough. Yeah. But, yeah. that so, It was really unfortunate how that worked, but... Yeah, no, like, I mean, like, yeah, I, I love the... Like, I love... Um, the, the How he's... It's it's a tragic story, no matter what kind of you... would No matter what way you play it, it's... Oh, do yeah. You, do you lean into the tragedy, or do you... Um, do you try and fight against it? Um, that with, that ending. With what happens with Trish based on your if you're being good or bad or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, when like when she hated me as as she died in the second on my second playthrough where I was evil, like that that like hurt. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like it, it it actually made because I mean like I was saying the like the abilities on the bad side are so much better than the ones on the good side that the whole time I was doing a bad playthrough. I wasn't really worrying about like what I was doing to Empire City. Like I think one of the things you can do on the side, or maybe it's just part of the the first like boss's arc, like Sasha's arc, where she's polluting everybody with tar that has like mind control things in it. It's a weird game. <laughs> um I think the bad option is to like just keep that like don't destroy that pump like just let that keep running its course 
and like that didn't weigh on me but at the end of it like trish because like trish dying is inevitable um because you planned that out to be that way yourself because future you is a dick um uh like her hating me at the end like really had like a profound effect on me because i was just like but i loved you Mm -hmm. like i did all of this so that i can rule empire city with you by my side and then at the end it's just like nope i i hate you i hate what you've become she was not the man that i love she she really was holding me back and yeah the ending with kessler being you i don't know if i was just like i mean when i played this game it would have been 2009 so i would have been 11 no 12 because this is just after my birthday too Mm -hmm. um I would have played that when I was 12. I don't know if it's just that I wasn't familiar with too many plot twists in stories, but that threw me for a loop. Like, mm-hmm. even halfway through the boss fight, I was just like, I'm fighting myself. What the, like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. No, it makes for, it's, it, it makes for a good twist in the game, especially if you don't know it's coming, yeah. um, obviously. But, like, yeah, it, it was one of them because, um, and, and even as a more, like, seasoned veteran, um, or a fan of like the genre and stuff. Um, it was interesting. Like I, I enjoy those kinds of like where time loops back in on itself. I'm like a, I'm a huge sucker for those kinds of stories. So, mm-hmm. um, so that was another another like notch in in the belt that that game checked off on me. It was like when you were like, oh yeah, my game is infamous. I was like, oh, that's a good choice. Yeah. Um, but it's 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 one of those that like slides under the radar. Like it's a good game. It's a great game. Um, but it's Fantastic. like it gets overshadowed by other ga- by other games in the series of with like Infamous Two, but even other games that were like the big games at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I feel like other franchises on like PlayStation and stuff. I feel like a, a thing that unfortunately happened because of just of the nature of these two games releasing like so close to each other, and because Infamous was a an exclusive. I feel like just off the bat, it got overshadowed by Prototype. Mm-hmm. which I I also ran out and bought that first day. I didn't pee myself that day, though, so that's a win. Um, but the like just that game being like more mature, and it was more fun to play just because it really lets you just let loose in Manhattan, like, a lot. And, like, as opposed to Cole climbing up a building... As Alex Mercer, you could run up a building and then super jump off the side and then fly. Like just in terms of that, it all it nailed like the superhero fun gameplay better. But I think Infamous might have been the turning point for me in video games where I started caring more about narrative than gameplay. And so I cared for that story much more than I cared about Alex working his way to find out like what the hell Project Blacklight was and da 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 da. But yeah, because that game was multi-platform and more fun to actually play. I feel like that might have overshadowed Infamous just right off its debut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said, I mean, like I came, I came to it late, um, uh, not until after the the PSN giveaway kind of thing. Um, but it's it was also like both that and Dead Nation introduced me to the games that I I might not have like found otherwise. So mm-hmm. like, and it came out like right around the time the infamous two was coming or it, it like that happened around the time infamous two was coming out. So I was like, it, it sold me on infamous two, 
um, as a result. And oh, like yeah, Dead, Dead Nation sent me on, on Housemark games like Resogun and stuff to, to kind of come forward. Um, so it was like, it was a genius like marketing strategy on their part to say, well, these oh, are the games we're going to yeah. go ahead and offer you. Um, and hey, look, right around the corner, here's here's a, here's a new Infamous for you if you really enjoyed you know that one we gave you. Were so, you yeah. keeping up with Infamous Two as it was uh, as it was like announced and released? I don't because... I don't think I was too much. I'm pretty sure it was very much like kind of an off my radar at the gate. Like I, it's it's weird because like that when I was like while I was in college, there like things are very spotty because it, it was like okay. I was doing, I was gaming in between shows, but like plays and stuff were my priority um, at the time. So like there, like I was still playing a ton of games, but I don't remember, like it's, it's much more of a blur period. Like I remember the games I played, but I don't remember when I was playing them. I don't know, remember what kind of like research I was doing on like IGN or something like that. Um, so yeah, it's, I, I don't recall knowing and even like after the fact i i found out like greg's writing about infamous and how it like it helped him through really hard times and stuff um oh. uh, but i didn't see like i i was not around when that was happening that i remember that yeah. i recall infamous is too infamous two's uh announcement was really weird for me because i had played infamous so much that i was like i mean you don't have to play it much to be deeply familiar with how cole looks mm -hmm. but when they oh, when right. they announced okay, yeah i do recall like controversy over his new look yeah his new look made him look like a russian mobster like he looked like a guy they called like vladimir not yeah, made him generic cole mcgrath yeah generic game character and that that was that was the most off putting that was the most off putting thing i had seen like all year and like i i wasn't in arms about it i wasn't like I will send you death threats, mostly because I don't know how to send death threats at this point in time. But I, I'm not going to send death threats. But I, like, I was, I was considering like making like an online handle to see if I can get in touch with Sucker Punch and just be like, why? Why did you do this? Why? Why are you doing this to Cole? And then they quickly remedied that, so it's all good. Yeah. Also, uh, they did a really cool thing with, not a really cool thing, but. A better thing with his appearance in Infamous Two, where like an in Infamous, as you grew, as you grew uh, to be more good, you, I mean, you kind of like got whiter and brighter, uh, and then if you became even more and more evil in Infamous, um, I think your clothes would look more ragged, and for sure you'd have like black veins, as if you had ingested the tar. From mm -hmm. earlier in the story, and it it always looked really weird and way too evil for me. Um, whereas in, in Infamous Two, luckily, I, they mostly just relegated like his moral stance to his shirt color. Yeah, which is a much better thing to do. I don't know why they went that extreme right off the bat, but kudos to Sucker Punch for figuring it out a little late, but figuring it out. Yeah. So why does uh why does one stand out above two for you, which you said earlier is it is probably the better game, but uh, your favorite in particular is, is um it it mostly has to do with the fact that it, it like it was the origin story and it's what introduced me because like Infamous it's a franchise I mean it's three games it's its own like spinoff comic book 
um there's definitely potential to go back to that for more stories so like as a franchise like i love infamous it's probably one of my favorites but just because of the fact that infamous was the one that like introduced me to it and it, it was my first superhero game like that like the closest i'd gotten to a superhero game was the batman rise of sinsu game that i told you earlier and that was just like a that was just a brawler mm-hmm. like it, it wasn't anything special and yeah, like like I was saying earlier, at the time, Infamous was the game that introduced me to a lot of the systems that became commonplace in games around that time. I didn't play Uncharted 1 until late. Like, I'm not even going to talk... Like, I, I had tried it before. I tried it closer to its release. But I didn't actually play the whole game until a very, very long time. And so I wasn't too familiar with you climbing up things. And I definitely played Assassin's Creed after Infamous. And Infamous was the first game where I could climb up a building. And just playing with electricity powers were cool. Like, I appreciated that it wasn't just I can shoot electricity. Um, it was also, like, I can make electricity into a bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, I can do a pulse wave. Um, I forget what his other ability i don't know if it was added in that game i think it was the precision aiming might like it took like shooter conventions and then put them in a third person game without it being a shooter and i don't know that was just cool like it's not a wholly original thing but it was all brand new for me and that was that like made infamous stand out above the rest and then yeah it's story (sighs) the whole the the warren district which is the second district and like you fighting the trash people like when i got to that i knew that this might be the game for me because (laughs) just the fact that you're you're fighting a guy you're fighting an old guy named alden who has decided that the best use of his psychic powers is is to form trash armor and a trash army and they reside in a junkyard and they live in the shittiest district of the city and they are intent on running this while also smelling awful. And it's it's just such a weird game. And then Sasha Sasha had the the Reapers who like looked like hoodlums, but then there was those few Reapers that were actual conduits and they had like a like earthquake attack that like came at you directly and what was the the third faction was the the scientist i believe i can't remember their names yeah yeah i mean it's 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 been quite it's a while. been way too long since i played that game so yeah, but it was it just for me but that game just threw everything at you yeah did you how did where do you fall on so you you said earlier that you don't think you think second son was a step back um do you think it was a step back because it left Cole behind or no no I I was all for moving on from Cole by the end of two although the end the good ending of two like teased that he might come back mm-hmm. but I felt that was more of a tease than an actual hey we're we're actually doing this so I was fine with them moving on and I actually like Delson as a protagonist like Delson is a cool charismatic dude maybe he's too much of an overcorrection from Cole being overly serious all the time but I appreciated him and his relationship with Reggie like made that game pretty swell for me. Yeah. Um, 
the I mean the that was I love the like knowing the the relationship between Troy Baker and Travis Willingham. Yeah, uh, it like mirrors like that relationship you, you, there. Yeah, you can very easily see how much they care about one another through that game as well. So it it definitely made it like an, a a a better connection than maybe um, than maybe we got from like even Cole and Zeke. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, f- I felt like it's biggest misstep. It's two biggest missteps, which aren't original. They're like echoed by anybody who has like criticized the game. Is that it's open world, beautiful rendition of Seattle, but like just as empty of like actual real side activity, just like the older games. And you kind of had hoped that they would have learned from that, but they didn't. I mean, the coolest thing you did was like the spray painting. And even that wasn't all that cool. Um, using and that, then using those motion controls and that dual yeah, shock four, uh, shaking, I, shaking your spray can. And then also you had to touch the touchpad to like break into cages. I think to free yeah. people. It's really weird. I'm so glad they dropped all that stuff really quickly. But then, like narratively, it was also just weaker. Like I mean, infamous. I mean, be warned, you're gonna get that kind of stuff again with the switch. So. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Welcome back to gimmicks. Um, but yeah, narr- narratively, uh, narratively, it was weaker. Um, the original Infamous had the benefit of the doubt of the fact that it was introducing you to the world. I feel, and even then, it did a fairly good job. And then Infamous Two, it was really sad for me that they packed it all. They packed like his finale all into one game. Like I wish, I do wish Cole's story was longer, but like his. Like that being like his final battle with uh, the beast, mm-hmm. um, was a pretty cool way to send him out. Um, yeah, I was like, and, I was like, I remember thinking like, oh, like I really liked the, I really liked Empire City. Now why am I in New Marais or whatever? Um, like, it seemed like a a a change in location for the sake of a change in location. Yeah, definitely. But uh, I mean. Yeah. I mean, they sent out Empire City like in a in a blaze. Oh yeah. So yeah. I at least appreciate that. Like, but it, it definitely is like a change just for the change, like for the sake of change. And I mean, I mean it, like, it's fine because yeah. New Orleans. Oh, like it's. I haven't been to New Orleans. Um, mm-hmm. I I saw when Greg went. I, I think he tweeted out something like, mm-hmm. "Oh, when they were making New Marais, like they nailed how New Orleans yeah. is." Yeah. And like I liked Numeray. I probably liked Numeray better than Empire City. But yeah, it, it, left it me, was it left me wondering like, oh, did they like did they choose this to make a commentary on like post Katrina New Orleans because you have like an, an entire flooded district which sucks for coal. Um, yeah. Uh and so I was like it's it, it it's it's never that I'm like Oh, I wish they had left politics out of this or something. It, but it was like, oh, was this like, was this their original intent, or did the world change? And so they were like, oh, let's kind of like go with that and and yeah. explore that idea. Um, and it's just it like the timing of it all was was interesting, I think. Yeah. No, it definitely is. But um, yeah. Uh, I was talking about the narrative of. Second Son, uh, no, yeah. Second Son, when they when they announced it, it 
seemed like it was gonna talk more about surveillance and like martial law a lot more than I feel like it did. It used it to make Seattle feel slightly more oppressive, but I never felt like it was overbearing. So I felt like it was a, a weak rendition of like a place truly under martial law. And then in terms of the surveillance thing, that was almost never an actual plot point in the game. The closest I feel like surveillance got to a plot point in the game was the fact that you still had side quests making you knock cameras off the side of buildings. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, it, it ties back into like the idea of like Infamous Second Son has great gameplay. The, like the powers and the traversal are great. It looks beautiful. Even its cast of characters is like pretty great. Um, but and the fact that they leave the fourth power till after you beat the game sucks. Um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't a great power anyway, though. It wasn't. It really feels like a half-assed thing they did at the end, just to be like, "Hey, yeah. you beat the here's, game. Here's this here's something thing to, to, to play do all with. the cleanup stuff." If you weren't like most of the players who are actually going to care about that and yeah. already did all that stuff anyway. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, it it just feels like it should have been a step forward. Like it, it's a step back because it didn't take a step forward. Mm-hmm. It, it, it rebels in itself, like just yeah. a little too much. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I even thought about it until you mentioned it, but yeah, the, the whole like martial law, cause the whole premise behind it, the city being under martial law is because Seattle being like overrun with conduits or something. Yeah. It's like, no, really there's like the four that weren't even there until like mm-hmm. they got broken out of, of the facility or whatever. Yep. Um, side of everybody, like who has the concrete power from? I don't even remember her name anymore. The villain, um, Augustine. Like, Augustine. Yeah, it's like her and her crew are the only like conduits in the city. Really. Yeah, they're the so, only conduits really there. So, so, like the whole reason for the martial law seems unnecessary, um, and unwarranted. But yeah, um, I mean, yeah, I. I I enjoyed it. I, I still enjoyed Second Son for. It was, I think it was the might have been like the my first PS4 platinum or something like that. It was um, definitely my first PS4 platinum. Um, yeah, like I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it enough for what it was. But yeah, I th- I thought I was like, yeah, this is missing something. Um, okay. Whether I mean, in in part maybe because they, it was basically like a combination of. Um, infamous one and two where like infamous one you had kind of the getting to know cole story and then infamous two you had the expansion of his powers this was throwing it all in one Uh, so you're getting to know delson as he's getting multiple powers uh to to kind of go around the city it was like oh maybe this maybe it was kind of too too much in uh in one game and not enough like none of it fleshed out enough yeah still a great game though yeah and smoke, smoke powers surprisingly worked out well. Like when I heard that he had smoke abilities, I thought, "How is this gonna work?" Mm-hmm. And then it worked out pretty fine. Neon yeah. is still the best, though. Yeah, you, I mean, once you get neon, like there's no reason to go back to smoke powers. Yeah. And yeah, and then video was video was just weird. Yeah, that's that was where I was like, when they when the powers became like. Oh, not elements, but thing like 
21st century elements or whatever within like concrete and stuff. It's like, none of those are like naturally like neon is natural. Sure. Um, <laughs> but it's like, what? <laughs> this is all just industrial stuff because you were like, Oh, we have already done lightning fire and ice. Oops. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, infamous, a great, great game. Worthy addition to uh, to the favorite games. Any final thoughts on uh, on the game or the series? The bad ending of Infamous Two breaks my heart because I don't know. I don't know if it's spoilers at this point. I mean, the game is. I'll I'll put in the tag that there will be spoilers in this section because we've already covered Kill, <laughs> killing spoilers from everything else. Yeah, killing Zeke broke my heart and the bad ending of Infamous Two. And I, I wish, I wish that upon nobody to play that game. That being said, and I know that like my favorite game is Infamous, but I'm talking about Infamous Two right now. Um, those games are just like they're really good at making you feel, even if it's not heroic, they make you feel epic. Um, there's this one beginning of this mission near the end of Infamous Two. I can't even remember like exactly what you're doing, but you're. There's like a bridge that leads off the mainland and onto this like outer factory or whatever or little island, and it's like a it's it's a mission to get revenge for something. What it is, I'm not exactly clear, but it starts like thundering in the background, and then it gets like it gets darker and more ominous, and like there's more lightning as the mission goes on, and like. I don't know if it culminates in this or if it just happened to be like a thing that I happened to do, but I did my lightning strike move where like you can direct it all over the place while I was playing in the background. And like there was my motivation in my head for revenge. And then like I thought back on that as soon as I finished that and I was just like, that was so badass. And almost no game has done that for me. Mm-hmm. So those games are really good at making you feel epic. Yeah, absolutely. Great. All right, let's dive into topic three, uh, which uh, you have have dubbed um, uh, reinvention. So yes. let's talk about reinvention. What do you want to What do you want to dive into, reinvention wise? I don't know. It's it's been like I I told you it was like a recurring theme in my life. Uh, I'm. The I'm not debating reinventing myself right now, but like I reinvention isn't like it doesn't have to be a completely different you, but it it has to be at least one major change to your lifestyle. And me, like I've personally, I, I'm like I'm 19 and I'm I'm tired of being fat, so I'm thinking of going to the gym and I'm thinking of taking it seriously. And that's a big difference in my life. Like, not just what going to the gym and working that off might make me look like, but just the fact that that's also time in my life. And so it's just, it's, it's, a, diff- it's a big change. It's different from where I'm at now. And... I don't know. I keep I I've reinvented myself millions of times. I mean, whenever somebody says like new year, new me, like leading up to the age of like 16, I probably took that literally 
and reinvented myself every year that I was conscious of the new year, new me mantra. Uh, I was a really stoic kid growing up uh, throughout elementary school. My best friends commonly like told me I had no sense of humor and it's true. I like, I couldn't bring myself to laugh at anything. So then starting in middle school, I decided I'm gonna like laugh at whatever anybody says and see where that gets me. And that was part of like my phase of where I wanted to be accepted. So I did whatever like suited other people so that I could get along with them. And, but that wasn't really me. So like, I don't know, reinvention's a really weird thing. It's like, it's not bad to reinvent yourself, but it could be detrimental not maybe not like in a crazy big way, but it could be just slightly detrimental to the fact that you're you're not yourself anymore. Like I, I remember I didn't listen to Drake until I got to ninth grade because the people I was hanging out with were looking forward to Drake's new album. And so I started listening to a lot of Drake so that when they quoted him in class, I knew what the hell they were talking about. Okay. And it was just like, but that's, and like the whole time I was thinking, but that's just not me. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. But it's, then does it become you? Exactly. Uh, I mean, Drake, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I love Drake. I don't. Uh, honestly, that album that everybody was getting hyped for that I like started listening to Drake to get into, that's easily his best work. So it's all fallen off since then. Um, but like some of that is like some of my favorite music from that time. So it became a part of me, but it wasn't at a time. So like, I don't know. I wanted to ask you, like, what do you think of like reinvention? Like, uh, do you think it's, do you think it's inherently a bad thing or do you feel like remaking yourself into different people, uh, is actually a way for like a closed minded person to open their eyes to something new? Yeah, no, I think uh, like uh, when you when you brought the idea of reinvention, I was like, that's a really cool, like meaty, deep topic kind of thing to to kind of address, because like I can think of times in my life where I've reinvented and and like I, I, in terms of the bigger picture of the, the question is is reinvention inherently bad? No, I don't think so. I think I think you can. I mean, it's 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 change. It's changing your life in small or large ways depending on like the the level you want to take it uh -huh. so like when when you first mentioned i was like i the one of the first things i go to is i think about like the phases of my life in terms of like in high school i was one way in uh yeah in in high school i was one way in college i was another way then after college i was like my theater self and then now i'm like my gaming self and yeah. And there are still parts of me from each of those phases of my life, um, but like new things have come to shine through, or or have I've I've pulled new things to the forefront. Like I've always been a gamer, but now gaming is much more like the focus of things, and I will be like I will be more inclined to sit down and play a game than to go and see a show or to like a a, a a prime example is last year I was uh, I like I signed up for an audition for a show um, uh, for the first time in like a year and a half because I just haven't been acting. Um, I haven't had like felt the interest in doing it. 
but this was a play I'd, I had read and was really interested in. And there was a character in there I really liked. And then I was sitting there thinking to myself, well, if I get cast in this show, I'm going to have to devote four or five nights a week to rehearsals for that and learning all the lines and everything and then and doing that. Would I rather do that or would I rather keep doing my daily writing? Because I would have to trade one one for the other off. And yeah. I decided to stick with the with the writing. And so I like I called up the director and said, hey, I'm, you know, I'm sorry, so sorry, but I'm going to go ahead and cancel my audition. Please offer my slot to somebody else because it was like, that's not who I am right now. That's I'm not I'm not interested in getting out on stage again anytime soon. Um, and it's it's so I, I feel like that's a reinvention of myself. And and like that, it was it video games and the kind of funny community and everything kind of came in at, at the right time for me because I had already drifted away from theater for a few months before kind of funny became its own thing. Um, yeah. And so it was like, Oh, like, and I'd never, like, I'd never been like, I'd never had online friends or anything like that or, or uh, like everybody I knew was in my little circle of like, I had my high school friends. And then when I got out of high school, I had my college friends and didn't really talk with my high school friends anymore. And then when I got out of college, I only really talked with my theater friends. Um, mm -hmm. Still being tangentially like connected to all of those people through social media and Facebook and stuff because that hit at just the right time for me. That hit when I was early in college. So like I'm still Facebook friends with a ton of people I went to high school with, even if I haven't talked to them in 10, 12 years. Um, mm -hmm. uh, but I still can like keep slightly an eye on what they're doing if I want to. Like one of my best friends growing up who I like played games with all the time up through high school. But then in high school, we started to split apart. He just got married this last weekend. He's been a GameStop manager for, I don't know how long I've been in that GameStop and seen him there, but I've ne I've not said, Oh, Hey Brian, how you doing? Um, because it's like, it's been so long that since we've talked that like, yeah. it would just be weird for me to, to go in and be like, oh, hey, like, it's really cool that you're into gaming. Like, I'm now doing gaming stuff, too. And I don't know if, like, he, I, I would be very curious to know from his perspective if he's seen me come in and, like, and we both, it was a thing we both didn't, like, confront or address. But that's, yeah. so, like, I see that as part of, like, a reinvention. Like, I, I reinvented myself so that I'm not that high school version of myself that I was. Um, and that's, you know, there's there's going to be good and bad to any of those situations where, um, you know, if you're if you stop doing something that you enjoyed, but you find something new that you enjoyed, cool. There's a trade off there. Um, I would say, like the the example that you came up with first of like you you want to reinvent yourself for and 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 not be fat and and maybe work out, um, like that is inherently in my mind a good sense of reinvention because you're doing it to try and improve something in yourself mm. whereas being that stereotypical like oh i'm in a relationship now and i'm going to change myself entirely to appease See. this person that i'm in the relationship with um that's a trickier situation where it's like okay but like don't lose your own individuality in this reinvention like still make sure you're doing it for you if that mm. makes sense um yeah. So yeah, that's that's those are kind of the the big things I think of when I think of reinvention. I mean, like I also think of it very simply and like 
oh, I'm tired of my hair, so I'm just going to chop it all off now. And now it's a new me. And uh, and what is that going to That can go bring? a long way. That can go yeah. a long way. Oh, absolutely. I, I, when, when, I, I first when I had my hair, afro uh, throughout junior year, I finally, I finally cut it off at the s- sort of start of senior year. And, like, I don't know. And it immediately, I immediately felt uncomfortable because I didn't have all that. Like, I actually felt like a completely different person, mm-hmm. especially because at, at one point I talked to a, a teacher who had seen me around, but he didn't actually know me. He said, like, oh, what did you do to your hair? And I told him that I cut it off. And I told him that I had to readjust to, like, my scalp actually touching my pillow which was causing this nagging feeling when I try to go to sleep that caused me to not get as much sleep. Um, but yeah, like after I cut my hair, um, like I started getting compliments a lot. I felt like, oh, have I been doing this wrong? Should I have been doing this instead? Like this is getting more attention from other people. But I, like, I really loved my, I still love my Afro. Like my Afro defined me for the better part of a year and i felt like it was really me because i'm not free-spirited as in like i'll strip butt naked and run through the streets right now but i am free-spirited in the fact that like i am open to new things you know i'm not i totally don't mind like a lazy day lounging around or if i'm bored at home like i'll just take a walk and see what what's new that I can find. Like, these aren't things that I do often, but these are things that I don't mind doing. And I felt like I felt like that was personified in my hair. Like, my hair was this crazy thing that nobody was really doing in my school. Like, the people who did grow afros grew out like these little tiny afros, and I grew like I grew like something that could block the sun. You know, like if you were short enough and you looked up at me. <laughs> I could block the sun with that mm-hmm. and it just felt good but then it was also just like people kept telling me like oh when are you gonna cut that off because you know pe- people won't employ you with that and i know that's total horseshit i know that i mean there are some places that won't hire me with it but i know that i'm not unhirable mm-hmm. with my afro but like sometimes a reinvention like a simple haircut like that is necessary but it like it's just a little taxing on you and it's weird to strike that balance i don't know like i i tweeted out a few months ago maybe at the tail end of my last semester that like i like writing and so i'd like to pursue writing i also kind of have an interest in coding so i'd like to learn how to do coding i have an interest in theater so i'd like to do theater you know, I'd like to just go out more, maybe me be a more sporty person. And it's just like, how is it possible for me to carve out time for all of that? Like, one way or another, just f- for time management, like just time, just for time management, I need to cut maybe one or two of those things. But like, that's a hard reset on whatever progress I made in that to go for something else. And then what if that thing doesn't work out? Did I reinvent myself to fit that for no reason? And this is what I think about at night. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's, I mean, that's, 
I I can relate on like so many of those things. I mean, myself, like my hair first, when I first grew up, my hair was in, it was in high school and it was just like, that was my way of rebelling against my parents. Oh um, yeah. My parents, they hated like, me for that year. They yeah. wanted me to, they cut, they asked me to cut my hair every week. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Same. It was like, I'm not, I'm not the kind of kid who's going to drink or smoke. This is what I'm doing. I don't, I, I want to see what this, what it grows out into. Um, and like I grew my hair out for like the rest of high school, basically starting in my sophomore year and became like, became recognizable. I wrote, I wrote college entrance exam, uh, entrance essays comparing myself to Samson and basically, and his hair. So I was like, I was writing about like genuinely being afraid of what would happen when I cut my hair because as my hair grew, so did my confidence. And so did my, exactly. like, I was, I, more outgoing and I was I became more active in like um, in like choir and the arts and 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 theater and stuff and so I was like is this is the hair really a factor to that or um, or or was it the attention that me being a hippie-ish looking guy with long hair got um, you know that that led me to be more comfortable with that kind of stuff and then I chop off all my hair and people are like oh my god you'd like I don't even recognize you and it's crazy and and I've done that like two or three times now and um I mean like and now like I can I'll I'll shave at some point and like I'll go into work and people will be like I didn't like what happened with your like if I leave my sunglasses at home one day people are like something's different about you um if uh, I ever see you without the sunglasses it'll be a really weird day yeah, it's it's and and that even that like that's I at, at PSX two years ago I decided to quote unquote reinvent myself and make Trevor Trove and like my persona out there covering events and stuff like a brand of like okay if I'm covering an event on a show floor I'm gonna have my pixel glasses I'm gonna have my sports coat and I'm gonna have a nerdy shirt and and that's my look and and I did that largely basically to like to stick in people's minds when they see me at event after event after event now i can go to something and people from ign will be like oh hey trevor how you doing and like they remember me from the last time they saw me looking pretty much like that um and so like now i there again the fear comes up of like oh i'm really tired of my hair right now and it's getting nappy and and ratty and stuff and i'm like what do I, like i i kind of want to just chop it all off but if I do that and I show up at something, if I show up at PAX East and have like a buzz cut, are people going to be like, who are you? And why are you I, wearing pixel glasses? I would, I would probably walk past you and not know it was you. Yeah. So that's that's certainly like that. That is kind of a, a, a fear and a downside of reinventing yourself is, it, it, I mean, that is a very like cosmetic, superficial, physical um, aspect of it. But I think it's, I think it, it, it extends into um kind of the personal of like if you reinvent yourself that is a change and will people recognize that change in you will they recognize yeah. you after that change um and how does how do you kind of come to terms with if they do or not yeah one of the, like as far as that runs in my head is like a scenario where i've because I mean, one change will feed into another, which will feed into another, up to the point that you could be an entirely different person. And like a fear of mine is that, like I have, I have great friends. Like I love my friends. I, I'm at the point where I actually, like I call my friends like my brothers and sisters. Like, 
and I don't want to lose these people. But like, I'm also deeply unsatisfied with some of the things about myself. But for some reason, they care for me as I am now. And it's like, do I, like, do I stay this way because I want to hold on to these people with the fear lingering in the back of my head that they won't like a newer me? Or like, do I be selfish? And I mean, this is probably the right choice, but do I be selfish and like change some things about myself? And if they don't like me, then they probably weren't supposed to be around. Like, I don't know. It's, yeah, no, I mean, I, it's all I mean, about no, balance. And balance is. has always been a tricky thing with me. Like I can't even balance work and school properly. And mm. I mean, I'm just gonna try a new schedule now that I talked to my boss to about today. And that's gonna allow me time to actually see friends, which is a thing I don't indulge in during school. So then I, that's another thing that I need to throw in. And then I need to mix in time for doing my late to the game stuff. Um, I'd like for this, like, I come to the realization in like the last two days that like, maybe like, for as much as I say that I like coding and for as much as I did like the coding that I was doing like two years ago, like I'm a com I'm at a completely different place right now. Like I'm at a place where I've actually found something that I've always loved doing, which is writing. And I've found out like, you know, games media, though not the easiest thing to break into is a viable thing that you can do. And so now I'm trying to focus on getting to that. Like, I'm talking to somebody right now to see if I can actually get hired for like PAX East so that I can get a media pass and go and actually cover that show. But that's so different from like what I wanted to do years ago that like it feels right, but it also feels wrong to pass me to like give up because I've put like a year now into computer engineering and like getting in the beginning steps of coding and it's just like now I'm about to flush that all down the drain which mm -hmm. is which isn't just time but like for me right now because I'm in college that's also money yeah like that's a thing that I'm now risking flushing down the drain because the work that I've been doing on late to the game in the last month has been like the most rewarding thing ever but mm -hmm. it's just like I owe it to myself to pursue this but I owe it to the people who've like gotten me this far like my mom paying for school like I owe it to her to maybe see a actual like a reasonable degree through to its end. I don't know. That's I mean that's that's tricky, and I certainly don't want to like give you kind of like life advice or anything. But like to your example there of you've you've put an, a year or two into into coding, um, I put ten years of my life into theater and basically my I was working towards a goal of I want to run my own theater company someday and so right. I was I studied I went to school for theater and business management um, I worked in Phoenix theater um, which is our large the Arizona's largest theater um, uh, like five million dollar annual annual budget they do like six to ten shows a year ish um, and I was working there um, and basically as soon as I got in the door there I started seeing all of the things that I really didn't want to do um, in that in that industry, and all the like the the realities and the downsides of, oh, I don't have the patience for that kind of stuff. So either I would need 
this kind of buffer or this kind of like leeway to to kind of like push that stuff to the side and ultimately said i don't think this is for me this is this like working in theater was destroying my love of theater and so mm-hmm. I, I walked away from it and um i still i definitely don't have the same it is very much like doing that reinvented myself of like i put i put a lot of time and a lot of my life and a lot of money and resources into that dream that as i got closer to it realized maybe wasn't really the the end dream for me after all so the plus side is that i still carry that stuff with me and like i mean especially especially the theater stuff and and all the like my time on stage and and being comfortable um talking in front of crowds of people and stuff i can carry that with me and that's a skill that i've i've built up and does translate into especially something like games media if you know if i'm out there either on the press side or on the PR side, I can still talk um, eloquently and, and I can have that kind of that presence if I need to, um, that I got from that background, the business background of it um, helped me um, kind of prepare for the realities of, of a situation like that. So it's even though like the end goal has changed, I can still, bring pieces of that journey along with me into the new me and the new the game's personality kind of version of me if that makes sense so i don't know coding wise how relevant that is but even like even my year of system computer systems engineering and and programming and stuff i carry with me and has helped me in my current job and and in in the opportunities that i've had I've done like database management because I know Excel really well or something like that, that I've gotten, I've gotten good jobs that afford me the opportunity to do the other stuff that I want to do on the side in the hopes that I can transition out of this job that I'm doing just because it pays well to what I really want to do. Um, so it's, it's been a long and winding road where I have reinvented myself a couple times. Um, but I still, there are still pieces of, there are still old pieces of me that have come along for the ride as well. If that makes sense. It does. So, it does. so I, w- I would, I would suspect that in, in whatever routes you take, you'll kind of, you will have, like, you're never going to, if you ever do make a full, like, you look back at yourself 10 years ago and you don't recognize that person it's not that it happened overnight. It's that it was a long, slow and winding road and you can probably map back. Okay. Well, I don't recognize myself 10 years ago. Let's look back five years. Okay. That's still visible. So what, what was the journey between 10 years ago and five years ago? And then what's the journey between then and now? And you can still kind of piece it all together. It's when you do try and like change things too massively too fast. That's where I think it, you run the risk of like being unhealthy or being a detriment and it be it, it really that messing up with you and that messing your, that messing up like your friends. So that's, again, that's, I go back to like, if you, you know, fall for a girl, but you end up having to completely change who you are for her or something um, to the point that like, Oh, I look back at myself a year ago and I don't recognize myself. Then that's a little, 
like, oh, maybe I should, maybe I yeah. should rethink what I'm doing and who I am. Is this who I want to be? Um, or, I mean, and, and it could be that, oh, yeah, like, I, like, it could be that every change was for the better. And you're not, like, I mean, like, when I, in, in my last relationship, um, I, I've spent the better part of the last 10 years of my life pretty much eating every meal as, like, eating out and eating at, like, fast food and stuff. And then with her, I would like we were actually cooking and and eating in, and I was eating better and I was eating healthier, um, and I was like, oh, this is a good change. It's okay that I that I'm doing this. Um, Has that uh, carried over since? No, no, I, I went, I fell right back. I will oh. see. I I did just order. Uh, I signed up for Blue Apron, which is that thing that uh, that Greg uh, always plugs, or that they they plug on kind of funny and and their shows where they send you um, like a few meals a week. Do they have a? Does kind of funny have a code with them? Yeah, yeah. There's they've got a few now at this point. Because I I know uh, I know on uh, Dude Soup the mm -hmm. the Funhouse podcast they they always plug uh, Blue Apron. Yeah, I'm pretty sure like Greggy is a code. I think Gamecast is a code. Uh, okay. Maybe even like I love you, like PS I love you or something like that. I'm pretty it's sure. Actually... Like, I'm pretty sure all three of the shows, their big shows, there have have codes for that. So. Uh, it's actually been a really long time since, like, I like I watch the Game Over Greggy show every now and then. Uh, I feel like I haven't watched the full games cast in months. Mm -hmm. And P.S. I love you. I can't even tell you the last full thing I've heard or seen. Yeah, it's like I I'm continually running into where I'm like I don't like I want to support people like Alex and, and, uh, and, and people like Allie and stuff. So I like, I will seek out their content first and prioritize it over like even the kind of funny stuff. So yeah, I'd, like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm very much like, if I look back at like the last few months of kind of funny content, I'm like, Oh, I've missed a lot. Um, and same with like IGN podcasts. Like I haven't listened to beyond or unlocked or, or a game scoop in months, but I used to listen to them all the time. It's just, especially, and you'll find this with late to the game, um, time spent creating often will take away from time spent consuming. Yeah, um, like and I'm I, I'm ramping up too. Uh, like, like for right for now, like I got everything in January, like in the can by the end of December. Mm -hmm. so, like it was my it was my way of like getting like January off while still kind of like editing those ever so slightly and preparing them. Yeah. But like going into February, but now it's February. I want to like ramp up production and like yeah. do more piece. Like I'm, I'm trying not to limit myself to one a week now because I feel like there's so much time in between like two Mondays. Like I can easily knock out like two, three things that I, that just come to mind and that I can write about. Yeah. And like, I'm really good at word vomit. So as long as I have a topic in mind, even if I don't have a goal in mind while I start it, I usually come to a pretty solid conclusion, and then I can just go back and like rework like what I wrote to fit that more thematically. And then before you know it, like I can have like my turnaround on a piece can be pretty good if I just actually do it. But what I do so often is I write a thing, I edit it slightly, I schedule it, and I'm just like okay. And then when it's pressing, like, oh, there might be something else, I hop to that. Mm -hmm. So now, like, I but now I want to do more, kind of off the cuff stuff, just to see how that works. And just because I, I don't want to write every day, 
like that break the, that don't break the chain thing is like incredible and i don't know how you and alex have done that for as long as you have but like working with pizza for two months ruined pizza for me like <laughs> if i were to write every day I, like i feel like i would turn on it so quick and the thing is i love what i'm doing right now like late to the game is honestly the most rewarding stuff i've done in so long and i don't want to ruin that yeah so no, that's, that's absolutely a very valid fear like i said that's as soon as as soon as i got close to like when i was working in theater every day that's what killed theater for me effectively and that was very much a fear of like I'm going to try this writing about video games every day thing. I hope it doesn't kill my love of video games. And it definitely, it has not. And that's, so that's why I end up feeling like I think I'm, I'm on the right track and, and, you know, paying my own way to go to events and cover events and do, you know, the, the grind and stuff there um, puts me in a position where I feel like I will be much better suited if I'm ever fortunate enough to like get the opportunity to get paid to go and do those things and cover those things, um, I'll, I can say like, oh yeah, like this is nothing because now at least I'm getting paid for it. To when I was sharing a, a hotel room with ten other people at Pax East last year, um, and still that trying was, to like, like just seeing the updates on ten people living in one room, like it's great. And yeah. did the did the picture of Alex? shirtless going like this come yeah. from that oh yeah that was yeah that was in the pax 11 room um we were we were uh doing like jackie t impressions from from kind of funny from ps i love you like hey guys jackie <laughs> t here um and we were just like it, it was it was i don't know if it's it's a very old dated reference and i don't even remember the name of the show now but um it would be like a family would say good night to each other like um, across like the hall and stuff, and be like, "Good night, Bob. Good night, Paul. Good night, Ted, or whatever," and uh, and we were basically doing that in Jackie T voice, and oh, just wow. everybody was doing it, and and yeah, Alex was laughing so hysterically at one point that he got up and he's got his inhaler in that picture, and he he like he just kind of stood there and posed, and I think it was Fred, I think that that took that picture, um, but yeah, it was it was uh, that was like that is kind of the insanity that kind of stems from being in those situations and, and everybody being that delirious um, after like a crazy long day of, of paxing it up. Um, That's great. I want to yeah, go to PAX so bad. I hope, I, yeah, I mean, definitely hope to see you there. I got, um, I've, I booked my, booked, uh, finally booked my hotel, I think last night um, for, for the few days I will be there. So looking forward to if, it. If the media badge thing doesn't work out, I'm, I'm considering getting PAX tickets like on StubHub because I saw I saw a few on StubHub and I like I didn't initially think to myself that StubHub would be a place where they'd be but yeah that's a yeah. I mean that's a vendor place like yep yeah they're, they're there I mean they'll be like there will be scalpers um, like at the event at the event yeah. like, I mean just coming back from PAX South um, they one of their biggest things is like when people leave for the day they will like hit people as they're leaving and say, Hey, you're done for the day. Like, can I buy your badge? Um, and they'll like pay them, you know, 10 bucks or something for it. And then they'll turn oh, yeah, and sell it for 30. Yeah, that definitely happened one time when I was leaving, uh, I was leaving Comic-Con for like a lunch break. Mm -hmm. And like, I, as soon as I like walked out, turned the corner to like go to the closest pizza place, and, like a dude saw my badge and he's just like, are, are you, are you, are you done? Like, 
because I could buy your badge and then you know we could swap out. I was like, ah, oh, no, no, I'm just I'm on a break. I'm good. And that that was like the first of like ten offers. Yeah, just just on the walk to the pizzeria. Yeah, and that, that's not even considering like going back. Um, but I mean, like even outside of that, um, like at PAX West last year, uh, like Kaylee and Zyger and and a couple of people, like Saturday they didn't even go into PAX. Like they had badges, but they just like hit hit the town instead. Um, so like even if you were not to come into the show, like there will still be things to do, especially in the evening after the show's done. Like everybody will be hanging out kind of at the at the restaurants and stuff. Um, so that's certainly an option if you uh, if you do end up making the trip down. There I'm thinking be, about it because if I can't get, if I can't get the badges, I still want to. Like I do want to go. Yeah. I just like as much as I want to see games, maybe even work the show and like play games and write about it and like for as much as I want to do all that, I also just like I do like miss all of you. I haven't seen you guys since May, mm-hmm. and like. I've only gotten closer to a lot of you since then. So if I have to wait some kind of funny live three, I might. Which will be only be like a few months later. It'll only be a few months later, but like, I feel like around that time, I'm going to need a break and an excuse to run away to Boston. And Boston is like, if I buy the tickets now, like a bus ride is like $30 to and from Boston. So it's it's like and it's only like three and a half hours to get there. So it's cheap. It's a means of getting away. The only thing I need to figure out if I can't get into the show is um like where to stay. Mm-hmm. But I could probably find something. Yeah, I mean there there are certainly people that like there's there's room on our hotel floor if if uh if you end up going that route. We can we can yes. probably work something out. Uh, yes. Uh, we're not. I'm not. I'm not looking to go PAX 11 again. But um, yeah, I, you, as for as much fun as that sounds like, that'd be a nightmare. Like I, yeah. I don't even want to. I've gone to, the first time I went to visit my friends in Albany. Um, my two of my friends ended up becoming a couple in the time that I was away. So they always share a bed now, and then they have their roommate. And then my friend came with. So he shared the bed with her, and then I shared like a bed on the floor with another guy, and then that was just a small room with six of us, and that was hell on earth. So yeah. I can't even imagine a hotel room, which is nice, but those are also kind of cramped and with mm-hmm. eleven people. Yeah, <sighs> it was. I mean, there was basically like you went to bed, and that was it. You couldn't. Nobody could get up and go move around. If you need to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. Like you were tiptoeing as daintily as you could to make sure you didn't step on somebody. Um, we've gotten a little off track from reinvention. We um, did. We did. We're any uh, any any kind of other thoughts or things you wanted to touch on with the with the idea of reinvention? No, it's just mostly the balance of it. Like, I, I mean, maybe the secret to life is that there is no balance between that. Like. Maybe I do have to like pick one thing over another and just hone in on it. I'd really like not to, but then that just feels like I'm half-assing everything that I do instead of whole-assing one. I mean, yeah, that uh, that is certainly the that is that is definitely the trick of. And then that's like, that's not even like 
a moral thing weighing down on me. Like that's not like, oh, my friends are gonna dump me for that. That's just a matter of, like I I actually don't hand in essays until I feel they're ready. So like even if I do it last minute, and I'm scrounging to meet the deadline, if I if what I if like I look through it right before I'm leaving to class and I don't like what I see, I'll actually not print it out or email it. And when the teacher asks for it, I'll just tell them like it, it wasn't ready. Like I'm, like I don't like half-assing anything that I do. And it's not that I put my all or like 150% into everything, but I'd much rather deliver something that's good rather than something even slightly bad. It, it feels like disingenuous to even myself to do something that I know I could do at least slightly better. Yeah. So, yeah, I need to find a balance between things without losing myself. It's, it's, 19 is weird. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the other thing. It's like you're young. You're going to reinvent yourself a few times in the next few years, and that's yeah. okay. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to it, but yeah, I, I guess it's a fact. It's one of the facts of life. Yeah, I mean, expect a couple quarter life crises. That's that's. Oh, I've already ha I've already you. had five in like the last few months. Okay, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, you're gonna you. I mean, I'm all stocked up on crises. <laughs> yeah, especially like especially once you get that like out of co college phase, out of school phase, like that's when one's gonna really hit, where it's like, mm -hmm. oh did I just waste the last few years of my life? <laughs> like, or what, or what are we doing now? So there's also just the, f the thing where like, if I don't like secure a job, like immediately after college, there's just like that aimless period. Just like, um, cause I, I had sort of that. Um, I was supposed to be in NYU for my freshman year of college. And then that didn't end up going through because we couldn't see eye to eye on a money thing. And I, couldn't pay them what they wanted. So I ended up spending that whole semester outside of class. And that was the first time I had taken like an extended break from school. And it sucked because I was so looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. And my only, my like, the only default thing that I had to do in that time was work a dead end job at a pizzeria. And that sucked. And then I asked a girl out that I like and she rejected me. And that compounded with being kicked out of my school and working a dead end job just made me like feel like the like the end of the world <laughs> was upon me. And then I had like another job lined up, sort of, which is the job that I'm working now. Um, but like it all felt really aimless, especially when I talked to my friends and they were all doing things. Like even if it wasn't great things, like people were in school or people were in a job that they liked. And I was doing nothing and getting rejected and then staying up late playing video games till five in the morning and not waking up till like 3 p.m. to go to job like two hours later. And like I'm afraid that I'll fall back into that after college if everything's not secured before I leave. And oh God, being old is going to suck. Yeah, it does. It definitely does. <laughs> On the bright side, a month, no, not a month, a year and like three months from now, I'll be able to legally drink. So that's there you go. Fun. Hooray. I have that Bonus. to look forward to. Hooray. 
Um, great. No, I lo- uh, like again, like I said, I I love the the idea of reinvention um, as a as a topic for this show, especially because um, uh, even like even Trove Talk itself was like, okay, I'm kind of reinventing what I want to do with the site and what I want to yep. do content wise. Um, I remember. I remember when you first did uh, Trovids, where you, yeah, yeah, where you were. Uh, I, I believe it was like you were incorporating the the video into your articles. So it was yeah. like a it was like a video essay. And I was yeah. like, oh, this is a neat thing. Like, I wonder if he's gonna keep pursuing this. Yeah, and, then and it's I'm doing it, I, talk. I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna try and get back into it. I'm doing. I'm looking at basically next week having like doing another week of like reviews and doing a, a day. Um, like a review each day and there's going to be a written component to it. And I'm going to try and sit down and basically do kind of more free form, like just talking to a camera as a companion piece for each of those, like more formalized things. That's the, and that's part of the problem is it's like, I like, I don't want to just do a review to the camera because I know I'm going to miss the things that I would do if I sat down and actually focused on the writing. Um, but I also recognize that writing is not as uh, as easily uh, consumable as throwing on a video that can play in the background. So yeah, it so, is. yeah it's it's. I've it's, I've thought about maybe doing that, but I don't know. Yeah, I like writing a lot more than I like speaking, and that's uh, and that's kind of where I fall too, and that's why I have fallen back to the writing, right. and the video kind of stuff ends up being. It's been. I mean, now I'm getting it out in this in the form of this show. Um, mm-hmm. But it's also kind of a it's a rare thing outside of that. Um, I did start doing uh, uh, like this last week. I did a like here are all the games I played this last month, and basically just kind of did a, a going through video of each game I played. And I'd love to kind of build on that um, and maybe even use it to practice editing and editing and stuff too, and figure out okay, how do I okay let's let's learn how to do game capture stuff and figure out how to appropriately edit like interesting scenes kind of alongside the talking and all that stuff. So it's, that's where I want to, I want to continually reinvent kind of the content I'm doing on the show even. Um, and the, and, and you're, you're even the site itself. So. You're even looking into streaming, right? Like I saw that like you yeah. were attending a lot of Twitch panels during yeah. text. Yeah. That, that's, so that's, that's, that's another reinvention coming up right there. It is indeed. Yeah. It's another, like I have ideas of like, Oh, I would love to maybe dedicate like, oh, I'm going to do, you know, Tuesdays, I'm going to do um, games I've never played before. And Thursdays, I'm going to do classics that I love and kind of walk through those games. And then like Saturday will be like games I hate or something like this, like some some entertaining kind of thing, but like make that kind of recurring segments um, so that like every Tuesday from this time to this time, you know, I'm going to be doing this kind of game or something. Like yeah. That. Um, but that's consistency. It all, it all, yeah, it all, and it all comes down to like, do I have the time for it? Can I find balance between work and all that other stuff? Um, and that's where I'm, that's where the struggle is right now for me, especially. So, but yeah, no, reinvention is, uh, is, is great, is, is not inherently good or bad, I would say. Um, okay. Uh, in the, in the grand scheme of things, I think it leans good, um, if you're doing it for the right reasons. All right. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of in that camp too. But yeah, I just wanted to toss that your way, see what you thought. Yeah, no, definitely. See Great. if that shed any light on 
me a little bit. Oh yeah, great, great topic, great. I mean, like, it's it's interesting because I, I I definitely don't want to be like dismissive or anything. Um, to say like it it makes sense that you at nineteen are reinventing yourself because mm -hmm. it's it like all of the teens are very much a like you're constantly trying to figure out who you are. So that's going to come through like various phases of reinvention. Um, and it's not like that's, it's not that it's not unique, but it's not unique. Like everybody's going through that. Kind yeah. Of yeah. Stuff. No, yeah. It's, um, yeah totally. So, so yeah, don't like, I, don't I look, I look at, I look at my, my best friend, Sam. And like, I look at where he started uh, high school and I look at like how he is now. And that's been like a series of gradual changes and like that's made him all the better because I mean, I told him that I'd link him to this. So Sam, if you see this in middle school, well, before ninth grade, you were a pain in the ass. I love <laughs> you to death. You're like my, you, you're my brother, but like you're such like a, a shit man. Like, you're so stubborn and so mean. All this. when we used to play, uh, like with toys at his house, Kato, and this is really true to how much of a WWE fan he was. He'd invent storylines as we went along, playing with them. And in the storylines, my character would always die, and I'd be sidelined. And then he'd be the hero, and he'd somehow find a way to resuscitate me. And but that meant that I had to like sit out a whole big chunk while he was having all the fun. And shit like that persisted. So Sam, thank God you got better. Or I don't know what would have happened. <laughs> but yeah, that nice. was that was a, those were a series of reinventions that were good. So like I look at Sam, and I'm just like, well, that's not entirely bad. And then I look at some other people who remain unnamed because they definitely don't know that I'm doing this podcast right now. And like. I've spoken with some of them recently, and like they're way, way off. And I mean, who am I to judge? But like, I feel like there's a general set of things that you shouldn't do, and like they've done them. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely the case. Um, and like, I I can think of people that I I can think of like examples of people who I think have reinvented themselves for the better, and then I can also think of people I think who for my money have reinvented themselves for the worse. But then I also have like, it's interesting because I will hear what people's perceptions of me are at times and, and how they have seen, they see me change. And there are some that like have seen me change for the better and some who in their minds have seen me change for the worse. And it's like, I don't think I've changed for the worse. Um, but I can't, I, I can't get, bogged down and trying to convince them that I haven't. So mm -hmm. it's like I, I'll I'll take that feedback and and try and just move on from it and, and learn mm -hmm. and, and not not take it too much to heart that it, it weighs on me, but like keep it in mind when I am making like those little course corrections in life of okay, do I want to should I do this or should I do that? Oh well if I do that it might fuel this like negative perception of me. So maybe we'll, we'll avoid it. So um, yeah, reinvention. Good topic. Thank you for bringing it Thank to the you. table, Moises. No, it's no um, problem at all. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, close out the show with uh, 
uh, closing out the show with topic four, pretty much right on par, the three and a half hour mark for this show. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm looking over at the audacity thing, and it's just like, damn. Yeah, yeah, we talked. That's, That's... the thing. I, I thought I was going to be like, I mean, I'm not shy. I used to be really shy, but thanks to a reinvention that I made at the beginning of high school, I became a social fucking butterfly. There you go. So, uh, and like, for I, me, yeah, for me, it's like I can I can do one on one stuff like till the cow comes home, um, and I still batch that in like with my own personal introversion. But I can also go out there and like hang out and talk with tons of people at kind of funny live and and trick people yeah. into thinking I'm an extrovert for a week. I hugged a lot of people that weekend. That was a good weekend. Yeah. Oh, that that's one of the, uh, that's honestly the best weekend of my life. Like meeting all of you was. The greatest delight ever. Excellent. I'm I'm so glad to hear that, and I and I hope we get to do it again soon. Absolutely. Oh, we will. Yeah. Um. So Trove Topics is where you can be part of the show if you tweet at me um, with the hashtag Trove Topics, or just follow me on Twitter and find uh, when I send out the tweet calling for uh, questions for the show. Um. So we got a few, and a few have trickled in since we started doing the show. So I've got. Uh, got them in here um so up first we have uh joey noel at joey noel kind of funny community manager hi joey i didn't i saw you at kind of funny live i hope we actually get to meet and actually talk at the next one especially uh, since you're an employee so you should be there yeah also well, congratulations on being an employee i never actually got back to you on that <laughs> um so she uh she asks some of her usual questions uh, pineapple okay. on pizza, Fast and Furious, you know, the usual. So where do you stand on the pi pineapple on pizza debate? You said earlier that that, uh, that pizza has basically been destroyed for you from working in a pizzeria, but... Pizza's made a slight comeback. Pizza, I've eaten pizza at work a lot more recently because I have longer shifts now and I need to eat something. Uh, so pizza's making a comeback. Pineapple on pizza, however, is a sin... Uh, the biggest tragedy since no, I can't say that. Um, it's, it's since bad. the Holocaust. Since the Holocaust, probably. Pineapple does not belong on pizza. Pineapple doesn't even belong in our lives. Uh, for those of you who enjoy pineapple on pizza, there's a special place in hell for you, especially you, Ben, because I know you started the pineapple pizza war, and you're 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 you're. There's a spot like Satan's here and you're right here. You and him are holding hands right now. Oh, that's lovely. Uh, speaking of, we'll go. Oh, well. Oh, and Fast and Furious. Fast and Furious. Yeah. Where you? Which? Where do you fall on those on that series? Um, they're 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 fine. They're fine. They're, they're fine. One one is pretty bad. Two is way worse. Tokyo Drift. Never seen. Don't care to see. Four was a decent comeback, and I think the opening scene was like a chase in DR. So just for going to my homeland, they get bonus points. Um, Fast Five was the first one that I actually sat down in the theater and really enjoyed. Um, six, I saw Bootleg, so it wasn't all that good in quality, but it was it was solidly entertaining movie. Still haven't seen Seven. Because I just haven't gotten around to seven, and honestly, seeing Paul Walker off might kill me. 
Um, eight looks absolutely ridiculous from yeah, just the trailer. The, the Arctic? That's... Oh, I can't wait to see that, just because it, it looks like triple X, but better. <laughs> nice. So. Um, yeah, I, uh, so I'm going to, uh, to our friend Nikki's wedding in, uh, in April, the week that that comes out. And I was talking with Joey um, just the other day that we're going to probably try and go see like a midnight screening of Fate of the Furious um, while we're out there for Nikki's wedding. So that should be good. That, sh that should be fun, even though I've only ever watched the first movie. Um, oh, really? Yeah. And also, and as... Nikki's getting married. Yay. I, yep. I forget. She has new life developments all the time. It's been a busy year, busy year for her this last year. Com yeah. Good for her, though. Also, Absolutely. Harley, Harley Rosette. Uh, Quinn, Quinn, Harley, Quinn, Harley, Rosette. Quinn Rosette. Yeah, Quinn Rosette is a great name. Yeah, especially the Rosette part. Yes, I didn't know. I didn't know um, the baby's middle name was Rosette until like a month later, I think. And I, I just like went to the tweet. I think it might have been pinned. And I saw it, and I was just like, "She did it! Like that's incredible." Mm -hmm. So yeah, you go, Nikki. We talked briefly. I kind of I've talked to a lot of you very briefly. I hope to talk to you more soon. Yeah. You're all lovely. Um, well, since you already put Ben on blast, I, I moved his question up in the list. So okay. Ben Bellevue at Mister Underscore Bento Box asks, "How much do I have to do for him to understand that his love for me will never be reciprocated?" <sighs> I hear you loud and clear, Ben. You know, I really do. Here's the thing, though. I love unconditionally. As soon as I love you, you're pretty... It's, it's a done deal. So, you can shoo me away all you want. Uh, you can block me on Twitter or Facebook or my number. You know, you can do whatever the hell you want to do. But at the end of the day, I know where you go to school. So I will find you, and I will make you love me. Also, according to that thing, we're Valentines. So you're at least stuck with me one day <laughs> of this month. Thanks, Twitter. Twitter Valentines. Also, we're part of the Hamill Squad. How are you thinking of like not loving me? What the hell is wrong with you? Exactly. Hamilton life. Um, uh, Brandon Gann at GamesGan asks... Uh, what is a game or franchise you've put the most time into and why? Okay. So I told you already that I played Infamous. Did the first one alone like 20 times over. So that probably adds up to something. Um, I know that the last time I looked at my in-game clock in Destiny, it was a lot. <laughs> uh -huh. it, was, it was way much. It was a lot more than I was personally comfortable with. But I know people who are worse, so it's fine. Yeah. Uh, the one I can definitively give a time for, which was kind of like a proud achievement for me, was my 100 hours in Red Dead Redemption. Um, I actually, I was thinking of trading in that game, and when I finally did, I, for some reason I found myself on the social club, and I think the social club thing gave you like an in-game clock. And I saw that I was so close to 100 hours, so I actually just like rode around the world map one last time, just soaking it all in. And then 
by the time I hit the last location, um, I had hit 100 hours. And then I just put that away and sadly marched it over to GameStop and traded it in. So that's, that's yeah. cute. 100 hours. That's, that's adorable. Because I can think of like in 2015, I played The Witcher, Fallout 4, and Metal Gear Solid 5 each for 100 hours <laughs> plus. Yeah. Metal Gear Solid 5 didn't click with me. Witcher, I started getting tired of the side content around the 70-hour mark. Mm -hmm. And I was in the last stretch of story anyways. So I think I got up to like 85 hours in that game. But if I had done more side quests, I'd still be playing The Witcher 3. Mm -hmm. And Fallout. Um, I know my brother's girlfriend is obsessed with Fallout. Um, she was actually sad when I told her that Fallout 3 doesn't have a remake on PS4 because she finally got a PS4 for Christmas, and it's actually like her favorite series. Um, her in-game clock is absolutely insane for the Fallout 4 file on my Xbox. I thought mine was insane because mine was around like the 70-hour mark, and I looked at hers and it's just like, it all makes sense now. Mm -hmm. Like, she used to disappear into my room to play, and I thought like... She can't possibly be playing this whole time. And no, she is. Yeah. I mean, like the I can I can definitively point to my game clock for uh on Steam for Skyrim is like three hundred hours, over three hundred hours played. So um definitely put a lot of time into that game. Final Fantasy is is easily the franchise I've put most time into because oh, I've played God. every game in that series probably a couple times, save like the most recent ones and stuff, but um, like Final Fantasy VI, I've played probably a couple dozen times over the years. Final Fantasy IV, the same. Seven, I've played, I don't know how many times. Like I, I put 30 hours into Final Fantasy VII before I ever had a PlayStation 1 playing it like at a friend's house. Um, uh, and even, like, and a few years ago, it was probably around the time 12 came out, like, I went through and replayed every game in the series, save, like, 11 and 14. Um uh just to kind of like some of like five i don't think i had played ever before um because mm -hmm. a couple of them like just didn't come over to the states for super late um so yeah I've, I've definitely put a ton of time into uh into the the final fantasy series as a whole the latest of which being my 73 hours i think in final fantasy 15 holy shit yeah platinum that game even it, even though I hated so many parts of it. <laughs> Just give um, me one second. Yeah. Sorry, my charger's in the other room. Back when I thought this was going to be a much shorter podcast and I was going to have nothing to say, I totally did not think that battery and my parents coming home were going to be an issue. <laughs> <laughs> that, that happens sometimes on this show. Yeah, sorry. Um, no, 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 that's great. I like. I mean, we're 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 friends and. Like we've interacted a lot over the last year. I didn't realize how much com how much more comfortable I've become with you in that last year. So like a, a like a small part of me was like worried like, oh, is this gonna transition well from tweets to like one on ones mm -hmm. on Skype or well on Google Hangouts? But I mean, this has been great. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's like I always say that like so much of this show is much more for me than it is for an audience or anything. It's me getting a chance to sit down with a friend each week and talk for three or four hours um, and get to know them better um, in 
this digital age where yeah i do only see people like i you know i've i, I we've only hung out in person once um mm -hmm. for you know half hour 45 minutes or something like that at a, at that kind of funny life uh too so um i i relish kind of taking the time to sit down and actually have conversations and get to know somebody that's why i did, dubbed it the gaming and getting to know you show um uh last question we have comes from cameron abbott at unsexiest comedy and he you know, I blame him for not being able to go back in time and listen to the beginning of this podcast um, when you kind of mentioned a little bit of it. But he asks, why is he called the Platino Ranger? What is a Platino Ranger? And can he fit in his, his entire fist in his mouth? So, yeah, uh, starting with the least insane of those. Yeah, in the beginning, I explained my friend Natalie uh, dubbed me the epic Platino Ranger because... Natalie is weird and different like that. And I appreciate that she gave me that nickname. Uh, I cut the epic part out of it because I didn't feel like I met that requirement. <laughs> and it's also, it's, uh, and Platinum Ranger is also just shorter. Only by four characters, but it's shorter. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, uh, I'm a banana ranger. Uh, Platano is uh, plantains, which, are bananas. I, I'm a Dominican, so it's a staple in my diet, really. And it's the only name that felt right for an online pseudonym, so to say. Um, my, my PSN is a much worse name that I let my brother come up with. And I'm really, I'm dying for the day that Shuhei lets us change our names so that I can change it to Platinum Ranger and avoid having ever to talk about it. I'm pretty sure that's never going to happen. <laughs> it has to. <laughs> it just has to. Engineering and, and, and technology has come so far that a name change on a database cannot be this much of a problem. Absolutely agree. <laughs> but Sony found a way. Um, and then his last question, can you fit your entire fist in your mouth? Is this like an inside joke I'm not aware of? or? <laughs> No, no, nope, I can't. Nope, okay. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Cameron, I let you down. Uh, I'll try to think of something impressive to show you at Kind of Funny Live 3, though. There you go. Because I feel like I owe you for letting you down right now. I'm sure he'll survive. Uh, and then the last thing I had in, the, uh, in, our, in, our, in my little Google Doc is uh, we touched on it a little bit ago with, uh, in, in kind of slamming Ben, is that you are one of the, the quote-unquote Hamill Squad with uh, uh, it's you, me, Ben, and Alex O'Neill, um, all gotten very obsessed and into uh, into Hamilton, and we kind of identified ourselves at one night um, as the uh, as as Hamilton and his his three brethren from the show, and we had like a nice little chain of tweets, basically singing "Story of Tonight" <laughs> to one another. <laughs> Greatest chain ever. That whole uh, interaction. Is yeah. fantastic. And so when how, you when you guys uh when you guys all like met each other at oh, when, yeah when we were at PSX together, I was like, yeah, oh, we got to take this picture for for yeah. Moises. That like I woke up in the morning and I saw that and I was just like, my heart. Yeah. Um. So how did you get into Hamilton? Um. Ha are are you in any kind of position where you you would have been able to go see it? Um. 
even if it's on the lottery or something. Um, well, I've, 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 I always remind myself every now and then that there is the lottery that I can do. Um, actually, I think like a week or two ago they expanded. Um, they expanded it from. I think it was ten seats before for the lottery. I think they expanded that to twenty seats now. Uh, per show that they give up for ten dollars, so since those chances have doubled now, I'll definitely look into trying to go to Hamilton. I'm in no position to pay for an actual ticket to go yeah. to see Hamilton. Yeah, because God, those are bad. They started looking good as soon as Lynn and uh, Leslie and Philippa left, but then. I was I was actually looking at a a ticket that wasn't good but was substantially better than previous offers for the night of uh, Chris Jackson's last show as Washington, but that unfortunately never came to fruition. So yeah, I'll, I'm gonna try and see Hamilton this year. I'm yeah. tr I'm actually trying to see a lot more uh, just Broadway in general. I know, I know that um, I'm definitely looking at a ticket to see the Book of Mormon nice. soon. Uh, I wanted to see the Oh Hello show that John Mulaney was doing uh, with Nick Kroll, but that mm -hmm. unfortunately finished already. Um, but yeah, I'm, tr I'm trying to see a lot more Broadway shows. If Rent comes back around to New York, I'll definitely go see Rent. Um, cool. And yeah. But as for how I got into Hamilton, I was aware of Hamilton the whole time it was unfolding into what it became. I never listened to it or actually saw any bits of it until the night of Lynn, Leslie, and Philippa's last show because I really wanted to go see it primarily for Lynn because like, just, as, just as a Dominican guy mm -hmm. in New York City... It's really encouraging seeing Lynn be Lynn. Yeah. Like Lynn is fantastic. And I got a chance to be in the same room as Lynn, even though I was in a seat very, very far away from his stage. But I saw Lynn and I heard him and I recorded him. And he is absolutely like the most charming individual to ever grace a stage, probably. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, even if he's not acting. Yeah, no, I've I uh, um, I fell in love with In the Heights shortly after that came out, so, uh, so I've I've been aware of him, and I knew I knew Hamilton was this thing that was happening, um, uh, and I would, like I would hear murmurings of it, like from from its workshop days and stuff, and 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 mm -hmm. I would hear like through theaters friends and stuff like, oh, this this is going to be a really special thing, but I didn't end up listening to it until probably sometime last year. Um, uh, when I finally like one of my super diehard like musical friends was like like you need to listen to this show and I was like all right like and so I I picked it up and and like threw it on at work and was like oh yeah this is something special and then I listened to it basically you can you can every tell for the rest of the year <laughs> you can tell from the from the very start of Alexander Hamilton mm -hmm. you you can just tell like this this is something maybe not entirely different but entirely special and. Yeah, I would. If if you were to look at my, because uh, iTunes has a thing where you can 
like you can categorize like your list of songs by like their name, their time, their artists, or and then at the end it goes to a play, like how many times you've played it. I'm looking at it right now. My top played song is Alexander Hamilton. And this is only counting full cycles, like from the start to the end. Mm -hmm. um, it says 114 times. I know I've listened to it more. I just didn't let it play through till the end. Mm -hmm. And if you run down it, it's pretty much all Hamilton. The only thing is that I stopped listening to Hamilton as much recently. And then that happened to coincide right with uh, the time I, when I first saw La La Land. Mm. So now it goes like 20 Hamilton songs and then A Lovely Night and then nice. a few more Hamilton songs and then Someone in the Crowd and then Me and Sebastian Steam and Another Day of Sun, City of Stars and then immediately back into Farmer Refuted or Best of Wives and Best of Women. And it's that. It's just musicals have taken over my life. Yeah. And I love, I love every bit of it. No, it's, I'm still, it's great. I'm pissed off that it took me so long to get into Hamilton, but I look back on that now, and I'm just like, it's. It, I mean, it's okay now because you made up for it by memorizing every goddamn word in that show. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, no problems. Uh, so, what's your? What are your favorite songs from Hamilton? Oh, uh, okay. My shot made a really good impression on me right from the start. Um, Guns and Chips, just because of how fast Lafayette goes. Mm -hmm. uh, I love that I can do it. It doesn't seem as fast when you can do it. Yeah, like when when you know the words to it, it makes it, it, it it's yeah. way more manageable. But when I first heard that, I, I had to replay it like five times because I'm just like, I'm sorry, Lafayette, what the fuck did you just say? Mm -hmm. um, but, I mean, my favorite song has to be Satisfied. And that carries over. That carries over to the, like the Hamilton mixtape as well. Like, my favorite song is um, who who tells your story? I believe. Mm -hmm. But like right below that is Sia's rendition of Satisfied. Yeah. And I love I love how like, not how, like how random the, the guest list on the Hamilton mixtape is mm -hmm. because it goes from Sia to. What the hell is his name? I don't even remember. Miguel, who I haven't heard in a song in a long time. Mm. And then fucking Queen Latifah comes in. That, that, yeah, that's, that's amazing. The, that's the weird thing for me on that song is that it's like, it's Sia and Queen Latifah playing the same part. Yeah. Just Queen Latifah doing the rap version of, or the rap part of it. Um, but now Satisfied. probably handle. Yeah, I think, I think so. Um, Satisfied's certainly one of my favorites. I I tend to lean towards Wait for It though. I or like it's weird because like I look at Hamilton and I look at Burr and I'm like, okay, I'm definitely the Wait for It of Burr, but I am also like the nonstop of Hamilton. Um, and I can I can see like both of them in in me, or I can see mm -hmm. me in both of them um, in those instances. So those are some of my. My favorites, but then I've I've ultimately landed on of of our group. I'm really the Washington. You are. You're the I'm, Washington. I'm really the history has its eyes on all of you. That's another one. That one, that one isn't as appreciated as it should be. History has its eyes on you is absolutely fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Yeah, Burr. Burr's my favorite character in the show. Yeah. And it's not just because I identify with him. It's also because he has two of the best songs in the show, yeah. which are Wait For It and uh, The Room Where It Happened. Absolutely, yeah. Room Where um, It Happened, like, seeing seeing clips of, like, the the that, sh- that song in the show, it's like, oh, damn, that goes to another level. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I, you can kind of get a sense of it by listening to it, but it's like you see everything like everybody throwing it all out on stage there and that in that in the end of that song it's like oh yeah how do they do this eight nights or eight eight shows a week it's amazing having seen having seen the whole show through illegal means um satisfied the whole thing is really impressive the rewind part of it yeah because they like like they don't rewind literally every single thing Mm -hmm. but it's amazing how much mileage they actually got out of the, the turntables on the stage. And I think it was initially one, and then they went for two yep. in, in the final production. So it's actually it's super impressive what they managed to do with that. And I don't know, just like making them actually like physically sort of rewind all the way through to the events back in Helpless and then feed you her narrative of that whole thing. When I first heard uh, the helpless, satisfied one-two punch thing, like I was left in tears mm-hmm. because it, it, that was, that is one of the saddest things ever. Yeah, it was interesting because like I like listening to it and having seen as much musical theater as I have, I I could I could envision like what is happening in that show well enough that I was like mm-hmm. I can see I can see how I would do like the direction of that show, for example. And so like going from helpless into satisfied and having that like rewind, rewind, and then hearing like the lyrics and, and kind of the crossover and stuff. I was like, Oh, okay. So they probably like in that rewind section, they probably like take you back. And now you're seeing it from Angelica's side of, of things. That's a really cool, interesting thing. Uh, and then I heard, I heard like two turntables in the show and I was like, ha, two turntables and a microphone. Nice. Um, but I was thinking it was like, I was thinking it was two turntables side by side on the stage. And like mm-hmm. maybe maybe they either like at times they both went in unison or like they would switch and and and, it, and thinking of it more in it like in a DJ turntable setup. Yeah. Uh, instead of like inter uh intersectional or like concentric circles uh mm-hmm. for the turntables. Um I was like, oh okay. Now so so I had like one idea for like, oh okay, this is probably how they're doing it and then when I heard of that, I was like, oh, okay. Well, now I've got a whole new set of ideas for what they're doing with those those tables. And it was very, very interesting and engaging. And, I've, and I have not watched the the full show through any kind of illegal means, but I've seen like clips of it here and there. And when they like when they've performed it in, in public in various places and, and a lot of like the ham for ham things. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, like I like everything I've seen about that show. And it's it's the rare show that like because um, people are like I don't want to listen to the show until I've seen it. I'm like, I get that, but I think listening to the show it's great, and then seeing the show on top of it just adds to it and just makes it a better experience. I don't yes. think you're gonna get a bad experience just listening to it. Um, I can't wait till the day I'm actually sitting in there and watching it. Yeah, because like, because now for me, it, there's a third layer. There's the fact that I've heard it. There's the fact that I've seen it, and then. I want to, to experience live. it now. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
the again the mileage they get out of the, those turntables is amazing. Like even in the subtle ways, like um during say say no to this, I believe, mm -hmm. um when he's dropping the line about like, oh I walked her home and whatever, there there's like I think there's like light posts on the turntable, and they're walking like in the middle ish. But the turntable's moving, so it looks like he's walking past like light post after light post to get to her house, and it's like subtle things like that. That's just like whoever like choreographed this is mm -hmm. a fucking genius. Yeah, and then they pull out their Game Boy, and because they can finally play. Yeah. In the in the light. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, yeah. No. I. Um, <laughs> so I was reading. Uh, I, I I picked up and read the uh, Hamilton the Revolution book. Which is basically like the, it's part liner no, notes and part like this is how they made the the musical. And, deeply, uh, deeply familiar with that book. It's yeah, sitting in my closet. My friend got it for me for Christmas. Nice. It might be yeah. the best gift I've ever gotten. Oh, that's I I loved it and and getting to see like because I knew I already knew like a lot of the, like the musical references. Um, but I was I was less like I knew some of the hip hop references, but I was definitely yeah. less versed on those. Um, but I was most fascinated probably by reading the um, like the director talking about like what he brought to the table and the choreographer's piece and the, the costume designer and the set designer, because um, the the theater person in me that was that wanted to run his own company basically was like, if I want to run my own company, I need to know a little bit of everything design wise so i would i took set design i took costume design i took sound design lighting design like i i i did elements of all design while i was at school um and so getting to hear kind of how it all came together was a very fascinating tale um and and yeah it's it was a great book um highly recommend it for any hamilton fans everybody should read that book and the liner notes just make it even better Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, whatever references you don't yeah. get, like Lynn typically explains. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, as, especially because, like, I feel like, a, I mean, I don't want to be like, it'd be really bad to end, like, this this podcast on, like, a, a racist note. But, like, I feel like a lot of the Broadway community is, like, people who aren't as well versed in hip hop. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Know? So, like, seeing, like, seeing that. Because I grew up with hip hop, obviously, um, it just it just makes it all the better. Like being able to see the references, and I mean, he makes pretty broad references that everybody will get. Like mm -hmm. if if somebody saw or heard Hamilton and they didn't understand the reference made in the "and if you don't know now you know, Mr. President" line, I'd be pretty mad. Because like I, I feel like that's a reference most people should know. Now here's where I ask you: Do you know the reference? I mean, no, I did not. Uh, oh. And even even having read the book, like I know I know it's a reference, but I don't know what it's a like direct reference to. Um, oh. Yeah, so oh. I'm I'm sorry. I, I'm I super can't. White. I'm super white. Also, as as I've covered a couple times on the show now, like music in general outside of musicals is not my forte. Mm -hmm. um, let alone like hip hop was just never a. Like I, I like what I love about hip hop. It tends to be the rhythms um, and yeah. and like and that kind of stuff more so than like the lyrics that have ever have ever been. Yeah, I think I, I vaguely remember you reviewed uh, the Hamilton mixtape. Yes. I believe. Yeah, and you talked about how 
um, one of the songs got you to do the the nod, mm-hmm. the nod along to it. Yes. And I, I yeah, I feel like that's that's definitely more of an appreciation for the the beats and the rhythm of it yeah. more than like the yeah, lyrics. Immigrants. I was and I was just listening to that again, like oh, immigrants are so good. Something. Immigrants are so yeah. so good. When immigrants came out, wasn't the biggest fan of it for some reason, and then I kept listening to it and listening to it, and then by the time I got to a uh, residentes uh, Spanish thing at the end, mm-hmm. like I just go I go all out. Like if I'm home. I'm shouting the lyrics for that. Nice. I love Hamza. But yeah, I, I can't say what the I can't say what the reference is because it includes a word you you shouldn't say. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a biggie reference, I believe. Yes. Okay. Yeah. What's uh, I'm trying to think the. I don't know. There's there's one in. Uh, in like one of the cabinet battles, I'm like, oh, uh, is it? Um, oh, what is it? Um, why he even brings the thunder? That's another one. I'm like, I know that's a reference, but I couldn't tell you the specific. Um, that's all. Damn, I know that one too. It's it's beyond my age. Yeah, but, it's, um... it's it's like I I don't want to say something and then just be like, oh, I'm just super racist because I just named any random rapper. <laughs> No, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's a that's a reference to uh, Grandmaster Flash. Okay, I was I was like Cool Mo D. Eh. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but that uh, thing's. But yeah, I mean, even I don't get all the references, and that's like part of the beauty of it. Like, See now, because like, that, that just makes me further explore hip hop. There you go. Which that's... I only know as far back as like my age, really. So anything beyond like '97 rap. Mm-hmm. is pretty like unknown to me and then i just dig deeper and then like i had a, i had a talk with a security guard at my job a few weeks ago where we start it started because he was comparing two lyricists and he was asking his friend who was the better one and then i chimed in for some reason and then we got into a whole big thing about hip hop like as a culture as, as opposed to just a genre of music and he kept telling me like Oh, it's not just defined by this. It's defined by like these actions that like minorities and neighborhoods took at this time, and it's about how like we all came together at like the tail end of the seventies to really carve out like our own niche in the world. I was just like, that's fucking cool and awesome, and you guys made that. And look at it where it is now. It's like it's one of the leading like industries, and it's definitely like the leader of like its its niche in the world, like in terms of music, like. Hip hop and rap is like the biggest thing now, and it's incredible that that came from like such a small form of expression for like such a such an oppressed group. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like the more you read into the Hamilton lyrics, the more you find references to older like hip hop. And like the further you dive into older hip hop, the further you dive into just like black culture when it was coming up, and that's pretty great. Yeah. See, it's it's whereas I sit there and I'm like, uh, end of uh, um, end of the Mariah Reynolds song, I'm, uh, where it's like nobody needs to know. I'm like, last five years, I got that reference, no problem. I'm good. <laughs> I'm doing musicals, yeah, because <laughs> uh, that's one of my other favorite musicals. So I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's, that's, that's like probably the perfect end note for that song. That's probably my my gap 
Like, whereas I know more of the hip hop than you do, you definitely know more of the musicals than I do. Because mm-hmm. I, I think that's mentioned in the liner notes. Yeah, even, it is. That it's it's that. like he, he calls and I have no idea. I have no idea what musical that is. Like, I've never even heard of that. Yeah. So you, you I need to educate on, myself. You find it maybe on Netflix. Uh, the last five years, Anna Kendrick is in the film version of it. Um, All right, I'm already sold. There you go. It's Sounds it's it's a better it's better on stage, but the Movie adaptation's fine. It's it's a fine yeah. song. It's where do you, pre- where do you come down on the lame is on, on, on the movie lame the lame is movie? Yeah. Oh, it's bad. But I it's like bad. I've also grown to really hate the show lame is because it's just three hours of sadness. Oh, that's <laughs> great. I mean, I've never good. gone through lame is all the all the way through. I've barely scratched the surface of lame is. Yeah. I think the sad. most I know is I I dream the dream obviously and um. In a carpool karaoke that Lynn was actually on, uh-huh. they yeah. did one day more, yeah. which really got stuck in my head. Yeah, um, th- that's a show that, like, is made or broken by its Valjean and its Javert. Um, everybody else is kind of ancillary to that. Oh, that's the other thing. I know, I know the confrontation. Yeah, because I'm a I'm a huge uh, How Much Your Mother fan. Oh, nice. And in like interviews, uh. In one interview in like 2005, and then in another interview that they did for the final season, yeah, Neil Patrick uh, Harris, fans, yeah, Siegel, fans yeah. asked them to do the confrontation, and yeah. because of that, I have the confrontation stuck in my head. Yeah, um, Valjean, at last we've we seen each other play. play. Yeah, Monsieur Le Maire. Okay, you that's wear a different train. Well, you sing with the words, Jeffrey. Um, yeah, that's I, I sang in a singing for actors class in college. I sang stars or I sang a, like a snippet of stars, um, which is like one of Javert's showcase songs. Um, mm-hmm. And so I would say that like I, and I joked, I like I jokingly tweeted or Facebook posted or something back when when it came out. I was like, well, if 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 nothing else, uh, at least the Les Mis movie and Russell Crowe's performance makes me think, hey, maybe I could play Javert someday. <laughs> <laughs> he is he is less than savory in that role. It's not that I've he can't sing; it's that he can't sing that role. Yeah. Um, and it, I was really, I was really looking forward to the Lame Miz movie as it was like ramping up to its release, and then everything I heard about it post release made me feel very iffy about it. I've still not seen the movie, obviously. It's 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 I like I'm down on it because. I am down on a lot of theater that gets overplayed these days, I think. Um, so you hate Cats? Uh, oh, God, Cats is the worst. And, like, I have always hated Cats. I have never... I heard about Cats. I was like, that is a stupid idea for a musical. I saw Cats. I was like, I fucking hate this musical. <laughs> um, <laughs> the only reason Cats is a thing is because people loved the spectacle of it in the 80s. And they were all fucking high on cocaine in new york so they were like oh my god these cats are crazy they're they're all up in the audience they're they're wearing crazy bodysuits and makeup it's fucking cats it's it's a nonsensical show um right so i have to see cats right away it's terrible um it's i mean like i've also i've very much soured on andrew lloyd weber in general over the years like I, I enjoyed him before I started knowing what like my real tastes in musicals were. Even something like Rent, and I was just talking with uh, 
David Wilkerson about this when we were at PAX South, we were talking about it. It's like rent. I remember when I first got introduced to rent, I was like, yeah, super bohemian. Yeah. Fuck, fuck the man. Fuck Benny. Like we're going to, of course, we're not going to pay rent. We're going to live here and we're going to be artists. And then it's like, wait a minute. Like Benny came up with all these guys, loves all these guys, but is now in a position to give them like housing. And all they have to do is like work for the, in exchange for the housing and, and, and he will like set them up for life. And they're like, yes. no, fuck you, man. We're gonna be, bar- we're gonna be starving artists. It's like, fuck you guys. Like, yeah, no, rent, rent the everything you on the wanted. Side of history in that regard. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I still, I still love rent, but it's, I mean, yeah, it's it, it, it holds a soft place in my heart. But I've definitely become much more sympathetic towards Benny over the years. Oh, hell yeah, hell yeah. Um, as as I've become older and the the guy with a little bit of money that I can I can kind of help people out with, it's like yeah, stop shitting on me because I'm trying to make you not starving artists. Um, I wonder what's the appeal behind being a starving artist. It's it's like ideals. That's all it is. It's 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 an ideology. It's it's the bohemian lifestyle, and people are like I call the bohemian. People don't want to feel like they've been sold. They've they've sold out. It's a fear of selling out, um, in my I, opinion. I, I posted a video on Snapchat the other day of me just walking down the hallway, and I, I like looked sad. And it was just like it was just a thing I did because I was bored. And for some reason, my friend uh, responded to it with like a text saying, "Oh, what a fucking bohemian!" I didn't know how to take that. <laughs> I chose to take it as a compliment just because of my fondness for rent, but like I. I feel like deep down in my guts, like I knew it was like an attack on my person. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the hell does it like think of it. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I mean, depending on the, how sad you looked as you walked down this hall, maybe somebody was just like, Oh, this, look at this guy is fucking on. We, I think that's the first natural occurrence of the word on we that I've had in any conversation. <laughs> well, well, I'm I'm happy to help. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, well, thank you, uh, Moises, for coming on the show. I think, uh, it was my pleasure. We can wrap it up there. Um, go ahead and make any kind of any plugs. Uh, tell people again where they can find you on the internet. I'll I'll link uh, everybody to uh, to to late to the game, your your site. Um, in the description, but go ahead and tell people where they can find you. Uh, yeah, you can find me at on Twitter at at Platano Ranger, P L A T A N O Ranger. Um, as much as I want your follows, I spam a lot. I'm trying to get better at it, so follow with caution. Um, and yeah, I I write about video games now on a blog that I made because I'm cool like that. I'm a bohemian. Uh, and it's called Late to the Game. You can find that at late2games.wordpress.com. And I upload a new post Mondays around 12 because scheduling on WordPress is shit and doesn't actually publish it at the time that you want. So I usually have to manually upload that, and that's just a pain. Uh, but yeah, that's where you can find me. Uh, and yeah, I awesome. I regularly tweet at these people 
all the time. So if you're in a conversation with them, chances are I'm going to intrude on your conversation with something dumb. Excellent. Welcome. Welcome to the conversations. Uh, you can follow uh, me at Snarky Starkey on Twitter. You can follow the show at Trove Talk. Um, and you can follow whatever I've been writing about recently uh, at trevortrove.com. Uh, I put up a series of Pack South posts uh, after attending that now a week ago. Uh, and then if all goes according to plan, by the time this episode is airing all week, uh, I've been having uh, reviews go up of some of the games I've been playing, like Transistor and uh, Read Only Memories, uh, or 2064 Read Only Memories, um, and a handful of other things. Virginia, I finally got around to. So uh, keep an eye out for those on Trevor Trove. And uh, yeah, thank you again, Moises, for, for coming on the show. It was an absolute pleasure catching up with you. I'm so sorry I kept you up so late. And, and uh, Oh, it's no problem at all. I'm not asleep at this time. Okay. I'm, I'm really never asleep at this time. <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, from here at the Trove, until next time, treasure your friends. That's a great sign-off line. <laughs>